This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome to another edition here of the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Kreich, alongside, as always, King of Banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Yeah, it's the uh, the podcast gods. They always get you. You know, we're, we're recording this at the earliest time we've ever recorded it. I mean, this is like mid-afternoon. I know. I've, the great. light is out. <laughs> I, I, the amount of times that I've talked to you while it's light outside, I can count on one hand, and it's, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little disorienting, I won't lie. Yeah, Krejci uh, was fired from his job, so everyone, <laughs> patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. There's three price tiers for every budget. Um, Krejci is home in mid-afternoon. Is that what that means be- when they said it, Rich? Go home early. <laughs> you know what? Take the rest of the week off. Hey, I thought that was good. All right. Well, hmm. Can only mean one thing. Krejci has <laughs> been, he's been shit-canned. Um, what do they say in Europe? You've been sacked. Sacked, Right? Yeah, Isn't that that's... what they say? Sacked. I think so. Did they say that in, um, just that in America? I feel like they said in America too. Really? I think it's a British thing, Is right? It? Sacked. Okay. But maybe because okay, I'm gonna I think I know why though. Because when like a soccer coach gets fired in like the uh English Premier League, they say he got sacked. And maybe because the EPL has become I don't want to say super popular, but more popular in the United States, maybe that's how Americans started using sacked through the soccer. Good theory. That's yeah. I, I to me, I feel like I feel like people do use sacked though, and even prior to this uh, uh, recent time. But I, I I don't know that. I can't I can't say for sure. Let me let me just do like sacked NBA. Let's see here. Um, yeah, NBA. AU. I was just trying to find out like <laughs> what. Uh, you you know you might be onto something here. Pretty sure it's a British. Yeah. Slide. Okay. Because every okay. You know. Well, you would know because you you now like you essentially are raising two British children and and a converted British wife, so. Uh, you would know, but yeah, I'm looking at every um, every article about like an NBA coach getting sacked, and they're all from uh, Australia or India. So you might be onto yeah. something there. So there you go. Okay. All you know, British Kingdom. The, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Between the Peppa Pig and the Love Island UK, it's just <laughs> the three of them over here. So what, what know, is Love kid. Island UK? I, I know nothing of Love Island UK. So have to- it's it's a dopey reality show. It's like a reality show where everybody's hooking up and fucking okay it that's the you know the premise but you know it's based in the uk and it's like a thousand it never ends like i think she's on episode 45 <laughs> of whatever season it is but now now you know tlb's she's using like british slang around the house she's like referring to people as blokes Uh-oh. and she's like uh you know all kinds of shit like that she's like we need to have a chat like all the shit that she hears on the show, it's like it's it's seeping into her vernacular, just like the kids with the Peppa Pig. You know, I, I've told this story before, but I, it's like 
I don't know if I told it on the show though. I'm playing like the, the the girl. She's got one of these, you know, these gimmick, you know, toy cash registers with the money and the 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 plastic coins, you know. So I'm playing with her, and she's like, she's got like this ice cream shop that she has. Uh, nobody cares. But the point here is, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy some of your ice cream, and she gives me the fake ice cream cone, and I'm like, how much? And she's like, two pounds, please. Like because of the Peppa Pig. Like she doesn't say dollars; she says pounds. And I got the wife running around the house, referring to people as blokes. I I, I feel like I'm in like South London over here. Yeah, it's gonna be like, bad. Has she, has she told you? Has she asked you if you wanted to wank yet, or no? Because that's gonna be the real. If she calls me a wanker. No, if she says, "Do you want to wank?" Well, you know, I, I want. I'm gonna. I you know, I'm waiting for her to bust out like, "Hey, you fancy a poke?" Like <laughs> that's when she what I mean. Yeah, walk, like your old fake you taxi know? stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fake taxi stuff, absolutely, you know, but um, no, I haven't gotten any of that yet, but isn't wank, wank is like jerking off, right? So uh, she tells I don't know, she, you always, I think the famous quote, isn't it, uh, have a wank, will ya? Was, it wasn't that well, the famous no, no, quote no. from, <laughs> Man, are having a wank, <laughs> I think um, we'll cut that out from our intro now that we're, uh, people actually listen to the show, so that's. Yeah, they, we did cut that, that used to be in the intro, you're right, that's a good memory, I don't even remember that. No, yeah, when I did the fake taxi impression, right? right. I that think was it was having a wank, are you, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. But wank means to jerk off. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's what I mean. I'm, I'm saying, does she? Uh, yeah, is she telling you that or something? That's... Yeah, if TLB is telling me to go wank, then I'm not getting any action, right? She's telling me to go, you know, uh, rub one out, you know. So I don't want her to say that. I want her to say, "Hey, fancy a poke." But I would, I would have to say, "Fancy a poke" to her because I'm the one who does the poking, right? You know. So, so, yeah. Th- this is, man. This is some. This. All this news, and this is the segment we open. <laughs> exactly, with. it's early, and we have no—we don't have an excuse for it being late either, because it's literally four p.m. right now. So yeah, like. awful British slang like that. We're definitely screwing up. I mean, you, you can just see our Twitter mentions now, right? I mean, you know, we're in trouble for this one. Um, you know, why? Well, because uh, we're going to talk about uh, 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 MCW Vendetta, some some Australian wrestling, and I know that like. We're going to be terrible. I mean, we're not going to say Melbourne right. I've already said it wrong, so I don't care. That's fine. We're going to get a ton of those people as well telling us, no, it's actually Melbourne. It's it's this, it's that, it's that, yada, yada. All right, whatever. Like, we're going to get that wrong. So we may as well just start off now early and then, you know, go through the rest of the, the, rest of the show. So Crikey. That's all I know when I'm sure. <laughs> or like uh, Crocodile Dundee. You really want to take yeah. it back? He's before no. the guy who got killed by the Stingray. Who's the Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, yeah, yeah. But before that was Crocodile Dundee. Remember Paul Hogan? That's true. Yeah, unfortunately, like, and I hate to be an asshole, but like, that is legitimate. I think all that like most Americans know about Australia is oh, and Foster's Crocodile Dundee, Foster's, and and Steve Irwin. Yeah, is about our frame of reference for Australia. Unfortunately, but we're gonna try to be better. We're gonna we're, we watch the Aussie grabs. We got some we got some excitement going on in, in in Australia and that wrestling scene. So we're gonna try to get better. We're trying to learn Doesn't, a little bit more about Australia. So I don't know anything about beer. But doesn't Foster's beer come in like an eighty-seven ounce can? It's a pretty that- large can, yeah. It's it's a very very large can, and and I I used to uh, I used to be a pretty big fan of uh, Foster's back in, in in the day. It's still it, it's a solid shit beer, but it was just like man, the amount of beer you got for like a low price, it was like well hell, this is great, like you know. It, it, but it's yeah, it comes in. Uh, I forget the exact ounces that it is. It might vary by by region, but yeah, it's it's quite a large can, and it's uh. Yeah, that's they, the commercials don't run anymore though. The Foster's commercials. I feel like I grew up on Foster's commercials. Now they're I haven't seen them in, in years. I don't even know if they're still around. Uh, the commercials. I know the, the Foster's is still around, but yeah, I don't know about the. Commercials, I haven't seen but. a commercial in ages. But Rich is a beer snob, 
as we all know. So he's putting over the Fosters as a good shit tier beer. Yeah. Is that what I'm mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to drink a shit tier beer, if you can't get if you're not going to go craft, if you're not going to be all fucking fancy like 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 the beer snob over here and you're going to drink a shit tier beer, that's one of the ones you would recommend. Absolutely. Yeah, 25.4 ounces. That's not bad. That's a lot of heck back a lot it's of heat can. in one big can. Yeah, that's great. So it can. That sets you. That sets you up for the night, man. Bring two of those home. You're good. You're good to go. I'd like a 25 ounce Coke Zero. I would enjoy that. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like you. you and then yeah. you get you nurse that the whole day. You're good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'd be all about that. What's another good shit tier beer? Uh, another good shit tier beer. Uh, I I like Pabst Blue Ribbon. I don't know if that's it, is that available in your region. Well, you, you don't you don't drink, so you have no idea. <laughs> I, I know what, I, I know what it is. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know what's regional. What's not. I didn't know if PBR was like a Midwest thing. Too, that I so. run, you forget too that I run bars. So that's I under, true. Like, that's I know, true. So you guys brand. you guys have PBR by you. Uh yeah, but the, the big local beer here is Shiner. Yeah, and I was about to bring Shiner. up. I like Shiner. Shiner's pretty solid. Yeah. I was pretty amazed when I went to Texas, and yeah, I went to like a a, a bar, and like uh, the Shiner was like two bucks, and I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> like because because our two dollar and three dollar and four dollar like our real shit like shit beers are real shit. Yeah. They're like old style or like you know Bud Light or oh. shit like that that I hate, I can't yeah, stand, yeah. Uh, or like Schlitz or, or stuff like that. Which I, yeah, again, I think that's all uh, regional. They still yeah, make Schlitz. What was uh, they? They do. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard. It's harder to find now these days. I forget the, the original company. Obviously, is not still around. They've been bought out by some big company that. Right. Well, you're real. I, I forget that you're real close to Milwaukee, so you get all those shit tier beers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because a lot of those are owned by Miller, so they kind of distribute all um, throughout as well. And the PBR, yeah, that's originally from uh, Wisconsin as well. But yeah, no, I, I like Shiner. Shiner's pretty solid. Yingling, yeah. Yingling's a good like, but I don't know if that's considered shit tier to most people. But I like Yingling. They're, it's solid stuff. We might be getting into mid tier here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like. I don't know. Is Shiner considered shit tier? Like at the, the bars that you would manage, where they're all that was like the cheapest beer, or one of the cheapest well, beers. You know who's going to order a Shiner when they walk in. Right. You know, if it's a guy, you know, in some boots, maybe with a hat, he's ordering a Shiner, you know. Um, But I don't know. It's not – I don't know if you can consider it shit tier because it's probably the most popular beer here in most of – in a lot of the establishments just because it's the local institution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But so it's I actually don't know. good, though. And that, that's the thing is, like, I think it's actually pretty solid. It's like a different type of beer. It's got some character to it. It's not like, you know, Bud Light or whatever, which is just, like, the most stripped down, the most basic beer you can ever have or whatever. Or, you know, those other ones I was mentioning, like your Schlitz or whatever. But, like, Shiner's got some personality to it. It's a it's a Bach beer. It's got some color to it. It's got that amber. It's It's got, you know. So I don't know. I don't know if it's considered a shit-tier beer or not. So All I ever see in the house are girl beers. There's uh, the Michelob Ultra is very mm. popular in this household, yeah. and the and the and like the the, the lime flavored gimmicks, oh, like a lot of that, God. like the Bud Light lime, yeah. So uh, <laughs> very uh, in between sipping on a Starbucks, it's it's those kind of beers over here. God. But uh, that's, hey, you know what, whatever, it's, it's fine. Gimmick. It's your gimmick. So that's fine. the Michelob I get. You know, you know that's you know, it's, I think their gimmick is like. It's like forty-five calories or something like that. It's like low yeah, calorie yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like at that point, just drink yeah. water. Like what do you, what do you yeah. do? You know, drink <laughs> yeah, vodka. Yeah, yeah. Drink some vodka for God's sakes. But uh, yeah, yeah. The the lime stuff is is tough. That I can't I can't defend. So just by the smell of beer, I would think that the lime flavored beers taste disgusting. They're horrible. Never, They're hideous. They're awful. And I've never tasted beer in my life, but I I feel like that's a bad combination. No, they're they're so, so bad. I mean, you can you can put a lime in a beer like a Corona. Put a lime in it. 
it it can sometimes enhance it. I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. It doesn't do much for me, but it's all right. But the stuff that comes pre-limed or whatever is it's hideous. It is exactly what it smells like is what it tastes like and exactly what you think. So, yeah, I can't I can't defend that one at all. So, you never want to deal with an angry restaurant customer who orders a Corona if you're out of lime. I mean, they act like you're <laughs> like you've murdered their children. Right. It's and it's like, do you really need the lime gimmick inside that, like, is it really that vital to the experience? So here's I the mean, thing is because it, it kind of is because the beer is not very good. But so the lime gives it, like, some decent flavor. Which, again, a is, is a larger issue is, like, you just order a better beer. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's that, that. But, I, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've, I've had friends that, like, legitimately uh, – because, like, Blue Moon's the same way, too. I don't, I, I, you guys probably have Blue mm-hmm. Moon by you where you need the orange. If you don't have the orange, people, like, lose their goddamn mind. They lose their shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because they've yeah. been told you have to put an orange in this. And it makes me wonder, is Blue Moon in cahoots with, like, big the orange? orange yeah, big orange corporations. Yeah, that's, you know. Right. Like, are they in cahoots? Because what made them pick that fruit? Because lime was taken. So you're going to have another one come out with, like, grapefruit or something and another one come out with, like, fucking kiwi. Where does it end? You know, I feel like it's uh, it's all a racket. So, Joe, <laughs> WWE fired their company. You don't want to do three hours on this? I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'm enjoying this. So let's get, We can keep going if you want. Um, I'm trying to think. So do, do you like milkshakes, Joe? Milk? Oh, okay. This is a – yeah, I mean I enjoy a milkshake yeah. now and then, sure. So they have milkshake beers now. Well, you know, remember, milkshake, that's how I accidentally consumed alcohol. Exactly. Remember that? Right, right. Yeah. You know, I ordered the milkshake in the restaurant. They didn't tell us that the milkshakes contained alcohol. It burnt the back of my throat. I was coughing and choking, and the people I was with took a sip, and they were like, oh, yeah, this is loaded. <laughs> right. And I'm like, they, they, no, seriously, though, if I would have been like a recovering alcoholic That's or something, tough. I would Yeah, or I you, 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 whatever the medicine is where you, you vomit when you know you consume alcohol to try to you know, weed <laughs> yeah. off of it or whatever, that would have been pretty bad. Yeah, that would have been almost as bad as you know doing that to Scott Hall when he you know entered the WWE and then dripping beer all over him and then him throwing up and then getting fired for it so yeah that'd be you know like that it'd be similar to that so. yeah like me i'm laid back i don't care i just called the waiter over and he gave me like free cheese sticks or something but you really could have they could have they're going to get big trouble i'm like you really need to put that on a menu you guys are going to get fucked here you know cuz they you know but anyway yes i do enjoy a nice milkshake uh, alcohol free i for, i forgot it was as a terrible experience for you i was going to say if you, if you ever wanted to <laughs> the milkshake i feel are pretty good but i forget yeah. that that experience was was not good so yeah maybe just stick to the stick to the uh diet dr pepper and, and coke zero so i'm drinking a coke zero right now good. it's very i got very diet refreshing. ginger ale you know, diet ginger ale is pretty solid too as far as diet sodas go it, you it, know you something know. about ginger i'm going to tell you something about ginger ale okay I like it warm. Is that weird? No, not at all. I prefer it warm to cold. I think it's a, a better beverage flavor. better, better served for warm. sure. Yeah, it really the flavor really pops. I'll tell you another one too, the cream soda. It's mm. almost better warm. Okay, I've never done that. I'm gonna try it. I have I have cream soda in the house. I might might take it out and try it later. I feel like ginger ale and cream soda, it's like you want that sort of smooth, warm vibe rather than the cool crisp vibe. It it kinda enhances the flavors on uh now it just works better on the palate for me. I don't know. Is that a uh, is that an uppity cream soda take, Rich? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what, what type of cream sodas are you talking here? Do you, do you go? Do you do you frequent your in the? Because like my grocery store has like the the fun soda aisle where it's got like a bunch of different brands and bottles and you know, these weird type of ones. Or do you just go with like you know your standard cream sodas? You a craft soda guy? Uh, every so often. Every now and then I'll grab a one of them gimmick six packs and throw it in the refrigerator and uh you know but but 
generally I just stick to the store brands. You know, the the supermarket brands, not the store brands. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. A, your A and W's or your whatever the fuck. You know. Um, but yeah, I'll go with the gimmick brand now and then. Glass bottle, the whole nine. I will right. say, um, I will say as we continue, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Really into this show. Uh, <laughs> uh, the we've talked about this before, and I know that that that, that you're uh, a very an expert in this field. The the Coke freestyles or whatever the hell the Pepsi gimmick oh, yeah. is, I forget what they're called. Uh, those the cream sodas in those are fucking amazing. Because you yeah. can go wild with that shit. I love because I'll do cherry vanilla cream soda. I'll do va- I, like I go to because t- everybody. Some people might do like Coke or whatever, all that sort of stuff. No, no, no. You got to go deep into the thing. Get some yeah. root beer. Get some cream soda. That's where you can get the real fun stuff going. You got to go orange. Mix the orange with the oh, cream soda. yeah, orange. I do the orange cream soda all the time. It's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a tremendous mix. So you blew my mind with that uh, t- talking about those a, f- a few months ago. I don't know if you did on the. I, I don't think it was on the podcast. I believe it was on our, our, our Slack talking yeah. about that. No matter what you order, you get like this. You get Coke Zero or something. What what was this okay. gimmick that you were saying? Because it blew uh, my mind, and I, I've told a bunch of people, and they still don't believe me as well. So so if you okay, so the Coke Freestyle. Now now are you sworn to secrecy on this? Do you have like an NDA on this, or is it okay? Not anymore. Okay. I I never worked for Coke, but. The Coke Freestyle, I did sit in and consult. It's it, Nobody – it doesn't matter. The point <laughs> here is this. I know a lot about the Coke Freestyle machine. When you order flavored Coke, okay, it's dispensing Coke Zero with the flavor. That's and, – and that's what people are – for some reason, they fight that. But I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's whatever. But here's the thing. Like if – here's how you know. If you're ever in a restaurant and the Coke Freestyle machine runs out of Coke Zero, okay, all the flavored Cokes are now grayed out. You can't order them because it, it the flavors the flavored Cokes dispense off of Coke Zero. So if people don't believe me, if you ever happen to be in there when the Coke Zero is out, try to over try to order a cherry Coke. You can't do it, or an orange Coke, or a lime Coke, whatever the fuck. You won't be able to do it. That's okay. I don't care if they don't believe me, but that—that's—that's that's how it works. It dispenses off of the Coke Zero. That, that, to me, that sounds like a—that's uh, like a controversy waiting to happen, right? Because people people, it, people love their Coke and they love like original. You know, there's those hard. Yeah, like, they can't I don't tell the shit. fucking difference with the flavors in there. And the thing about it is, I think it has to do with like the calorie count laws, where you have to display the calorie counts and all that. Mm-hmm. And it, it it has something to do with that, where the full Coke with the when then you add the flavors and they, it, it has something to do with all that bullshit is, is I don't know the reason, but I have a, I, I, I think that's part of the reason why it's done that way. But, um, it's, it's, it, that was an insane revelation to me. And, and I have oh, been why, there. I don't know why everyone feels it's so shocking. Like what's the big deal? <laughs> cause like, well, I just think people think that they're getting, you know, I want, you know, regular cause people are so like, I, like I, like I said, I don't really give a shit that much, but there are people that are, like, dyed in the wool, like, regular Coke, the original, like, I don't give a shit, I'll try Diet Coke, I'll do Coke Zero, I'll do, I, whatever, I'll do, I, I don't really care. If you're about. that dyed in the wool about your red canned Coke, then don't get fucking gimmicky fucking right, flavors. Don't, don't add sherry to it. I, I know, I agree, but then people get, like, crazy about that. So I think if you told people that, like, you think you're getting regular Coke, but you're actually getting Coke Zero, I feel like they, they're... they're it would be it would be a huge controversy. So I I, I believe you. I because I've been there. I've been at a restaurant where the flavors have been out, and I said, Ah, Joe, told me about this. And I went over and I said, Ah, look. And I was trying to tell Michelle, and she just rolled her eyes and said, I don't really care. You're lying, or he's lying, or he, what does he know? And I'm like, You're wrong. Look at this. The flavors are out. And why would the flavors yes. be out? I can order a Coke, but I can't put orange in it. Why? 
Exactly. Right. So I, yeah, it's, it yeah. was, but not she only didn't believe me. And there's going to be a lot of people in the mentions that are not going to believe us. It's all right. Well, here's the thing. Not only does Michelle not care, nobody else cares either. What are we <laughs> right. doing? That should be your I think you're under, I think you're underrating how many people care about this. Yeah, you're just right. Like, I mean, they're right. all going to argue with me, but they're all wrong. <laughs> right. We're going to have some people, I oh, know I work at a restaurant. They're, they're, you know, okay, all right, whatever. We'll see. I mean, maybe those people, maybe they've changed or whatnot. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Which is also possible, too, because there's many different well, – why am I doing it? Can we just – let's just move on let's, because I can, <laughs> I can do this for a half hour. Let's, we'll have to do a, a Patreon episode where Joe and Rich just talk about uh, – Coke freestyle machine. Coke freestyle machine. I got a lot of of takes on the Coke freestyle machine. And yeah, that the the first conversation where this ever came up was like legit, like a four hour conversation of people bouncing questions off of you, talking about their mixes, talking about what they do, the strategy when they go to them, the the things they get, the the hierarchy of of drinks. It's unbelievable how much goes into those. I'll give you one more. Do you know if you download the Coke app on your phone? Yes. You get secret recipes. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Of course. Day one when I when I said because there was a little bubble that said like download the app and get extra recipes. I was like, boom, let's go. Like secret recipes. That's right. Great stuff in those. Yeah. It's, it's you ever have the Christmas Coke during just December? I did. Yeah. That's that's how I do about it. Yeah. It's got kind of that pine cone. Yeah. It's, it's not great. It. It's not great. I mean, it's I'm not glad very I have good, it. But you can sit at the table with the rest of your friends and be like, I got the secret Christmas. Yeah, it's mix. yeah, it's one. Of, yeah, no, I absolutely do that. I'm like, yeah, Christmas Coke, and then people try it. Like that's disgusting. I'm like, I know, but <laughs> I got it. So, did you uh, did you try the uh, cinnamon Coke gimmick this uh, this holiday? I did not. It's terrible. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, it's really really bad. So, all right, I, let's. I don't, do, I don't do Chikara Coke. I just no, get my Coke Zero and. You know, it's you know how I am. I'm a simple man, Rich. Yeah, not fine. big on the gimmicks. Not big on the gimmicks. Anyway, right. unless they're you know exclusive to me, like the Christmas coat. Yeah, then you got it. Well, that's yeah, that's that's. Then you can probably test about that. You can probably test about it. Absolutely. While I close my nose and swallow it because it tastes horrendous, but I'm the only one that has it. <laughs> right. So so you know, um, Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. Yeah. So uh, bearing the lead here, 20 minutes into the show, but yeah, some uh, decent news here. I think you were actually what started this entire conversation is some. You said sometimes the podcast gods looked down upon us because we were about to slap record because it was early. And, you know, I got fired or whatever. So it was early in the day. We were ready to go. Uh, and we were about to hit record. And just as we were kind of getting all set up and ready to go, this news crossed, which thank God, because this is a huge, huge topic. I would have felt compelled to at least try to do some audio about this or maybe you could sneak into a Patreon show or something. Uh, but this came through from WWE.com or corporate.WWE.com, their corporate uh, end here uh, for investors. It says, uh, WWE today announced that co-presidents George Barrios and Michelle Wilson will depart the company effective immediately and will no longer serve on its board of directors. Frank A. Riddick III, who has served as a member of WWE, Board of Directors. That's a great name, by the way. That's you're, you're a very rich man if your name is Frank A. Riddick the uh, third. Anyway, he uh, he has uh, been on the board of directors for more than eleven years. He has been named interim chief financial officer, reporting to WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. Uh, WWE has commenced the search for both a permanent CFO and chief revenue officer. So there's some other stuff in there, some some random quotes or whatnot. But the big news story there is George Barrios, Michelle Wilson out immediately as WWE co-presidents. That's huge news. Yes. Um, again, this all broke literally as we were going on the air, so we really don't have a lot of the details. But it sure sounds like they were shit canned, Rich, just like you were earlier today. Um, it you sounds keep like saying they that were... I'm gonna go to work tomorrow. And they're gonna be like, "What are you doing here?" Like, oh, yeah, so... Joe was right. Sounds like they were sacked. Um, but again, we don't. You know, all we have to go on right now 
is the press release, which literally was it a press release or was it a corporate? Uh, I guess I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, just whatever there it, it investors release or whatever. Yeah, whatever you would call that. But it's it, it was a newswire item, a business wire item for sure. Yeah, you know, especially as a publicly traded company. So, um, you know, it's it's hard really to comment much on it, except that these are big, massive, sweeping changes. These are arguably, you know, two of the four most powerful people in the company. Uh, certainly two of the five most powerful people in the company at minimum and they're out. So look, it's, it's no secret with the financials of this company. It's if anyone who pay anyone who pays attention to them knows that it's the television deals that are carrying them a hundred percent. Um, you know, house show business, which I guess we can tie into this with news breaking this week has been a money loser. Rich has been screaming from the top of the hilltops. Just stop running house shows. Well, rich, it looks like they're severely cutting back on house shows. Yeah. So um, that's been a money losing. But venture. also, part of that is redo the contracts too, because the, the the flip side of that, which is, has gotten you know made the rounds the last few days as well, is that the idea of hey, less house shows. All right, great, our bodies, but also wait, hold on, our money, because that's how they make a lot of their money. The wrestlers is, is you know they get their downsides, and a lot of the bonuses come from house shows. So it's 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 in two. It's like. Yeah, don't run as many house shows because they're money losers. But also, like, uh, you got to figure out a way to pay your guys as well. So that's been a, a, yeah, I mean, quite figured out. So, well, that'll self-correct when the contracts come up. You know, because when contracts come due, anyone who has gotten a new contract from WWE since AEW has hit the scene, obviously has been taken care of. You know, they're all getting massive raises. So, um, you know, it's just it's luck at a draw. I mean, if you signed a three-year deal six months before they started throwing big money at everybody uh, to prevent jumps. I mean, you're just kind of beat for another year and a half right. or whatever it is, you know? And then when your deal comes up, you have the same leverage that everybody else had, especially with AEW extend getting their contract extended by TNT. That was the best news for every wrestler, uh, for every competent major league level pro wrestler in the world, really. Uh, when that happens, so you know, it's just that that, that just have to work itself out. Um, because I'm sure, like the club, for instance, with their half a million dollar uh, contracts over the net, what they sign a three or five, I don't remember, but um, you know, with their multi million dollar deals, is that fair to say? Because they signed for what five hundred thousand dollars a year yeah, for yeah, right. three to five years, or whatever it was. You know, I don't think that they're sweating the loss of these house shows as much as say. You know, another wrestler who is working under an old deal where they made a lot of money working the house shows. So that I think will just work itself out over time as as the contracts come due, because eventually everybody's going to be under, you know, these new contracts or, you know, they're going to walk and go work somewhere else. Um, But, yeah, you know, between the house shows, losing money uh, between. all the other line items either being flat or down. I mean, the network hasn't shown any growth uh, for how many uh, quarters now. I mean, I kind of lose track, but uh, the network sort of flatlined and, well, and the point they, don't, they don't bring it up anymore. It, it right. kind of, you know, George goes, ah, who cares about the network? Yeah. Look at how many hours of content we have. <laughs> like, you know, that used to be the front thing is, oh, we're, we're striving towards our goal. We're striving towards our goal. We're striving towards our goal. And all of a sudden it was just like, ah, you know what? Who cares about the numbers? The numbers don't matter. <laughs> the content matters. Right. The hours of content is what we care about. Yeah. Which is a good ruse because uh, it worked. It worked every time. Yeah. And anyone who follows, uh, you know, WWE financials or, or listens to WrestleNomics on this podcast network or follows the work of Brandon Thurston uh, knows that if it were not for these television deals, 
uh, they'd be fucked. But it's such a drastic swing because the television deals are so great that they're more profitable than they've ever been in their history, despite the fact that every facet of their business is sort of lagging, which is like this weird dichotomy. And it's just, uh, it's just, you know, uh, thanks to the state of, uh, of television and rights fees, uh, coming just at the right time in their history, uh, everything else sort of gets obscured, but you know, it's, it's, that's, it's not that that, that's not good. (laughs) <laughs> that these other facets are so uh if they were in fact fired which it appears as though they may have been uh certainly with this coming out of nowhere and the verbiage used in the release then it uh it just it just shows that vince mcmahon isn't playing games and he wants to see these other areas uh improve particularly and and maybe what do you think about this perhaps pushed a little bit by the idea that his new billionaire competition just got their television deal extended and look to be players for at least uh, what is it now the next four years at minimum. So uh, do you think that could have anything to do with it Uh, now that there's quote unquote real? I mean, look, they're not necessarily challenging for giant pieces of the um, of the pie with the exception on Wednesday nights going up against their seashell. But, you know, it's still competition in the sense of battling for talent and, 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 you know, and, and who knows things change so fast. Um, you know, the possibility of AEW getting it even a more advantageous TV deal down the line, those sorts of things. Do you think the presence of AEW has anything to do with this story? If they were in fact fired? Yeah, I, I, I think it probably has something it, it's got to, it would be ignorant to think that it doesn't have something to do with it, but there's, there's so many other things at, at play too. And I cannot wait to hear a little bit more. I mean, we, we have a, there's a, a call coming up next week. Um, where I, those numbers might be the those might be the numbers that let us know. Oh, this is why. You, you know what I mean? Like right, there might be right, something right. in that where it's like, oh shit, like this was way down, or that didn't grow, or the, you know that because it's got to be. We saw the same play, uh, you know, a few months back when when we had Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman come in. And it was right. also that the lead topic of a conference call could be, you know, yeah, the numbers are down, but here we're made a change. We're, we're making a drastic change. We're doing, the, you know, this sort of stuff to try Preemptive to changes. To, yeah, exactly. The- to try to kind of cover up any of the the issues and, and that, you know, it worked for a little bit with the, the Bischoff Heyman thing. And then obviously Bischoff. Don't was, worry, stockholders were taking action, as you right, can see. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, as we're recording this, their stock is down 20 <laughs> percent the day. Yeah. Of, so that might yeah. bounce right back. I mean, the stock. Well, that, well like that's that, the so. thing that that's what happens. Because that that that's not unusual. That's going to happen when you, you know, when, when you get rid of, like I said, two of arguably the three most important people in the company. There's investor confidence is lost uh, in the immediate, and then so I, I wouldn't read too much into that. But no, it's not good. Right, right. But uh, I was going to say, so you have that coming up. I think it'd be stupid not to ignore the idea that you know, in ten days, the XFL is starting, or, or it might be nine days as we're recording this. Like that is right on the heels, and and that's always been a weird thing. Obviously, WWE said, I'm sure Vince brought it up in a in a meeting. One, I don't know the exact way that it worked out, but like essentially, Vince had to create his own company to get this thing going because WWE had wanted nothing to do with it. Which I'm sure was Barrios and Wilson and all those people on the board saying, "No way, no, <laughs> we don't want to lose a bunch of money on this." Shit well, I think Vince, I think Vince was smart enough too. Yeah, exactly to, to realize I don't need to dip yeah. out of this pot. Like, let me go to my own pot, and if it fails, it fails, and it doesn't drive drive this other company. You know what's interesting though is there's so. always the perception that it's the same though, because people just see they just associate Vince McMahon with both. Right. Right. So there's still the perception issue, even if it's not necessarily you know 
hitting on the same bottom lines or anything like. But I, but I still think there's people who associate them as joined at the hip. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the address. Well, it, it helps. It doesn't help that the address is like the same. I think it's like this right. empty lot across the street or whatever. That's the official address of uh, Alpha Entertainment or whatever. But yeah, they get the the mail goes well, in the same listen, place. So listen, it's like my line of work where you know a franchisee wants to build another restaurant somewhere, but. You know, he's not quite sure for whatever reason whether it's going to work out. So, eh, we'll just do a new LLC. That way, if it fails, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But all the money's going to the same, you know what I mean, the same bottom line. But it's like it, it's it's kind of a fail safe. I mean, I'm simplifying it, of course. Right, right, right. So, it's, I, it's, I, I, and again, I'm not saying that, that that might be. It's just the idea that the timing of this is, is strange enough to make me think, okay, maybe that has a little bit of a part in this. What, you know, what, whatever little part it might. But there's a lot of things that it could be. It's obviously, you know, reek out from a conference call. Where obviously some numbers came back that that weren't good, you know, or or all the numbers came back or whatever it was. I also think, I mean, it'd be silly not to think that that. And again, I have no, I, we we know nothing. We know the press release that came out, and that's all we we know. But yeah. I do wonder as well. Like, and you mentioned maybe this is AEW driven, maybe it's just driven overall. But like, there's no way that Fox can be happy with the numbers that they're getting for SmackDown either. I mean, SmackDown is doing raw numbers. And that's not because SmackDown's a Fox. Like that's an, it, that should not be happening. And I know that obviously in the demos they're still doing okay, and there's all this other stuff. But I I, I can't imagine that that's a cheery relationship right now either. Rich, I mean, we don't even Rich, we don't even have the hardcore mentals popping in our mentions to defend the ratings anymore because they're indefensible. I mean, it's it's just they're not good. Uh, they're good enough to where Fox is still able to you know barely win the demo. On Friday nights, and here's the thing: they're going to crush the demo in the summers, right? So that's where Fox, that you know, that's really. But there's no question Fox was expecting to do better in the fall than they're doing. They, they should never be, you know, in a dead heat tie with Hawaii Five O in the demo. I mean, they were expecting to just crush everybody in the demo, and they not only get smashed in total viewers. I mean, you know, they finish like seventh, eighth, ninth in total viewers most weeks on Fox. But they're barely winning the demo, and sometimes they're not even outright winning the demo. So no, it's it's there's no. I don't think anyone would say that Fox is thrilled with the results. Let's put it that way. Right, and again, I have no idea if that's causing this or whatever. But the the, the suddenness of this, especially with people that have been there for ten years, I think Barrios was two thousand eight, I want to say, and Wilson was two thousand nine, and 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 yeah, both of them. Whatever you want to say about them, I mean, they they spearheaded and were in charge and were you know one of the top you know. As you said, one of the three more pop, you know important people in that company that drove the WWE network, that drove these TV deals, that drove all this other stuff. So yeah, to out of nowhere fire, I mean, like there's got to be there's got to be something there. And the fact that it's both of them as well, it's not Barrios is out and Wilson's moving up or Wilson's moving up and and Barrios is t- deciding to take you know another you know position at another company. The fact that both of them out effective immediately. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. We might sound like idiots because it might come out you know later in the night or or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm clamoring to hear what this was that was like immediate. I mean, there, it might be it might be nothing. It might just be that both of them decided to move on, or the Vince decided we needed to change, or it might be something monumental. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, they could in essence be some scapegoats too. Because to me, it all comes down to the creative and the product that you're putting on TV. And uh, I don't know. There's much that George Barrios can do about that. But I don't feel bad for either one of them. I mean, they're both rich beyond. Oh, God, dude. I think Barrios cashed out recently on, on, on and, like, a half of his stock or 20% of his stock or whatever, and it was on a godly number. So, yeah, I think he – Yeah, this isn't your neighbor he's across okay. the street. <laughs> yeah, he'll yeah, be all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
Um, this isn't your neighbor across the street who's an accountant who got laid off. I mean, it, you know, it, it, George Barrios will be okay. Okay, don't worry about George Barrios. Um, every every week, I talk to you about this too all the time. Like, I I happen to know my garbage men because I wait for them and I have conversations with them and talk to them. And I've been having new garbage men come to my house every week, and then I I like I wonder about the old guys and I worry about them. Like, oh man, what happened to Leon? You know, Leon was my garbage man for like three years, and then he just disappeared. Right? I used to have conversations with him, give him Christmas tips because there's a strict bag number of bags you can put out, and I always put out more bags than the number. So I go out there and talk to the guy, and I'm friendly with him, and yeah, you know, him up a little bit. Yeah. Extra bags. yeah, absolutely. You know, and then I got to know him a little bit just because I'm talking to the guy every week, and then he disappeared, and it's like, what the fuck happened to Leon? Like, I feel bad for Leon. I don't know what. Maybe Leon hit the lottery, and I shouldn't feel bad for him, but Leon might have lost his job. That's a guy or the guy across the street or maybe your neighbor. Don't feel bad for George Barrios, okay, and Michelle Wilson. They're going to be fine. Believe me. They got – they probably cut them a nice little check to go away too, you know, and plus all that stock that they own and everything else. They don't have to work another day in their lives. So they might be scapegoats here, you know, and it's because to me, WWE's business and all of their struggles to me all boils down to the fact that the product fucking stinks, and that's what's running people off. I don't think it's necessarily the business strategies. Okay, the only business strategy that can increase network subscriptions, for instance, is putting on good shows on Mondays and Fridays. Right, exactly. It was the thing, I, and you remember that quote when when they launched the WWE Network, and we were not sure how many people they'd get and all this sort of stuff. And you and I both said the best way to get new subscribers is have a good wrestling product to get people to watch it. It's like you know, it's yeah. as basic and bare and and and, and melted. Down. But yeah, like WWE does a lot of really cool stuff, and they they I think they market very well, and they do that. But it all comes down to the fact that yeah, if you have a shit TV show that nobody wants to watch, then yeah, you can you can work your ass off on all this other stuff. But yeah, it's never going to matter if on Mondays and Fridays nobody wants to watch your shitty product. So yeah. So, the, so a quote uh, came out from Variety from Vince McMahon, and and. Uh, again, like this. So this is Go. this is from Russellnomics uh, two minutes ago. By the way, at Russellnomics, you want to follow them this week for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you want to follow Brandon. He actually just released advantageous enough. Uh, just released a, an industry report uh, for WWE or pro, or pro wrestling, I should say, pro wrestling industry report. Uh, like forty eight pages, right? Exactly, forty eight pages of of graphs and nerd. So if you're into this, if this conversation yeah. is exciting, you go to at Russellnomics or, or follow at Russellnomics uh, on Twitter and and download that uh, that ebook. Yeah, it's forty eight. Did you get that a little bit? I looked at it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I tried, I tried to dive in a little bit, but now, yeah, like now you more know. than ever, I want to yeah. dive in. I guess I I waited too long to do it, and now it's it's all over. I'm the like, place, this but. is heavy material. I need to really set aside it. Yeah, it's not something you could just kind of scroll while you're you know on the can or yeah. whatever. It's it's something you got to right. really really work. But anyway, this quote from Vince McMahon is quote: "I am grateful for all that was accomplished during their tenure, uh, but the board and I decided a change was necessary as we have different views on how to best achieve our strategic priorities moving forward." So that's right, so he fucking fired them. That's yeah. yeah there you go. They're fired. Uh, it's a very nice way of saying that they were shit canned. So, um, yeah, at least we didn't waste twenty minutes of audio to find out that they both retired or something. Um, but yeah, big news. See what they get replaced with, and uh, see what kind of vision these people have. And it's going to be interesting. When's the date of the call? The call is coming up. I believe it's right? next uh, February. What are they usually Thursdays? I thought it was February 6th. I think it's Thursday, February 6th. But And I think that's for the fourth quarter, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's the quarter. I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that's the quarter where we find out exactly what they're getting from USA for NXT. Right. Right. That's I, not, I believe so. Yeah. And, there's some rumblings, Rich, 
Well, first of all, we found out that already that the fifty million is bullshit. I think uh, someone reported that it's closer to thirty million. So right off the bat, the fifty million that came out was found to be bullshit. But we have heard that there's rumblings in the industry that they're not getting anything from USA for NXT. And we were told, wait for that quarter when that becomes clear to see. Because there's a lot of people inside wrestling and TV who think that the total is – that they're actually getting nothing. Right. And that the public-facing, oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting X amount of dollars was just sort of – you know, uh, which is interesting because then – I mean, not that we don't already know this, but then that's just such blatant counter pro. Like we know it's counter programming, right? Anyway. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Anybody that's smart enough knows that. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. And, right. And, but and, if and total nothing, speculation here, but it could be like Barrios and Wilson going like, "Why are we wasting money on this shit? Like, who cares?" But Vince McMahon doesn't work that way because he fucking cares. You know, the business end right. of WWE doesn't really give to like you said. Does the AEW stuff matter? To Michelle Wilson and George Barrios and the other Frank A. Riddick the Third, no, yeah. probably not. They don't give a shit. You're number crunchers. Yeah, You're they don't give two fucks about yeah. AEW or right, or right. any competition in the marketplace. But Vince McMahon, no, 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 he does. Where those guys are like, no, man, let's worry about you know overseas TV deals and all this sort of shit. But yeah, I mean, for right or wrong though, Vince McMahon does give a shit a lot about competition. And, and or maybe people are telling him, hey, maybe not oversaturate your fan base with product uh, just to take a couple tens of thousands of viewers away from these other guys. Right. And maybe this isn't the best strategy. And yeah, you're not, that kind of conversation is never going to uh, win over Vince McMahon, who, as we know, it's, it, you know, he's, he's had a strategy for decades of crushing the competition. And that means going and, and particularly what he learned from what Turner did to him. So um, yeah, well, who knows? That's all speculation, yeah, yeah, but it's going to be a really interesting quarterly call from multiple perspectives. Now one that, uh, and of course, WrestleNomics uh, covers those live, and we try to live tweet them too, even though you know we're out there slaving away at the day jobs when they're going on. But uh, we well, still try me. to. <laughs> That's right. Not, not, uh, also, we don't know what we're talking about like more times than not. Like we kind of know, but like we're just like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But Brandon actually knows, so that's like you know. Hey, listen, man, I got a four hundred one k. I know what I'm talking about here. You know, no, but yeah, you know, WrestleNomics is where you're going to get. Uh, you know, the best analysis pretty much anywhere, quite honestly, when it comes to that stuff. So it's always days like this where he gets the nice plug of ruse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing well yeah. today. <laughs> today is a good good day for him. Well, we thought this was going to be the, the lead story uh, this week, but it's actually not. Another huge change uh, in yeah. processing management here. Uh, processing Noah has been se- uh, sold to Cyber Agent. That's the same company that owns uh, DDT. So here's a little bit of the uh, the nuts and bolts of this. So uh, as we know, and we talked about it as well, 75% of, of Noah was sold uh, to Lidet. Is that how you pronounce it? L-I-D-E-T. I believe it's Lidet. I don't know. Whatever. In uh, my head, I say Ledet, but Ledet. It might okay, be that Ledet. works. Ledet, let it, whatever. Which doesn't doesn't matter because they don't fucking own any company anymore. Uh, Eastby right. was uh, the owners prior to that. They sold seventy five percent of it to Ledet. Didn't matter because Cyber Agent now has acquired one hundred percent ownership of Noah. Uh, people that don't know Cyber Agent, publicly traded company. Uh, they specialize. They're advertising and marketing, and they've also been involved in PC, mobile games, mobile content, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the big news wrestling fans care about, though. Cyber Agent purchased DDT uh, in 2017, and now will be uh, leading the two companies. Uh, but the idea is that the two companies are going to be working together as well. Uh, Sanshiro Takagi uh, will serve as president of both DDT and NOAA, uh, while no, uh, Nomichi Marafuji is listed as the executive vice president of NOAA as well. Uh, Takagi is designated to be working on the business end and leave the creative day-to-day to Marafuji and uh, and former NOAA president uh, Takeda as well. So 
Uh, there's some other nuts and bolts. Do you want me to go over some of the other little stuff here? Or do you want to react well, well, first? first this, let me, yeah, f- first this. Uh, Takagi, of course, the wrestling fans should be familiar with. Uh, DDT wrestler slash, you know, uh, the big boss man in DDT. Um, you know, he's now the president, of course, of uh, Noah as well, as you just laid out, with Marafuji as the vice president. Somebody, and I don't remember who it was, sorry for not crediting you, it's not intentional, compared Marafuji, they called Marafuji the Japanese Jeff Jarrett. He just always wins. and It's, it's, <laughs> it's true. It's very apt. Every time you think Marafuji's like on his way out of relevance, um, you know, something like this happens. But um, yeah, Noah has been bouncing around to different ownership groups. Uh, most recently, Ledet here. Uh, you remember the whole thing where uh, New Japan had an ownership stake and then they were uh, uh, in a hostile takeover, uh, bumped out, and then Ledet. And now, uh, now they're out of the picture. And Cyber Agent, of course. Um, which also owns DDT and they own a, a, a Bima TV or Amoeba TV, the uh, Japanese streaming service. And it, it's very comparable. It's a very comparable situation to Sinclair, whereas like if Sinclair really wanted to and put their muscle behind their pro wrestling, uh, Vince McMahon, you know, could be fucked, you know, because Sinclair can buy and sell Vince McMahon. It's kind of the same situation in Japan where cyber agents, uh, by any description, if they wanted to, could just bully Bushi Road, and uh, you know they're just larger than Bushi Road by many multiples. But they have their hands in so many things that wrestling isn't their priority the way that the wrestling is Bushi Road's priority, or the way that wrestling is Vince McMahon's priority. Whereas Sinclair wrestling is never going to be their priority. But there are some parallels there, and what it does mean is Noah is now part of a much more stable ownership group that has done a good job with DDT and clearly cyber agent believes in wrestling because, uh, this is now the second pro wrestling company that they've, uh, purchased over the last, what, two years. How long ago was it when they bought the uh, 2017, like 2017. So yeah. Right. So over the last three years, um, and, and we're already seeing some corporate synergy where, you know, on DDT universe, they just aired a Noah show a few hours ago. And, the Noah logos are already on the DDT Universe page. There's already a Noah landing page on the DDT Universe uh, site. So, and those are all good things for Noah. If you're a pro wrestling Noah fan, I don't know how this can be spun as bad news. I mean, and if you read some of the quotes from uh, some of the people involved here, uh, a lot of them were ominous. It was like, look, we were, you know, basically just, I'm paraphrasing, but they were essentially just treading water. And, um, you know, could have gone under at any time under the previous ownership. And it really shows you how badly the rea- how bad the reality is for a lot of these Japanese promotions that aren't New Japan or DDT or Dragon Gate. Um, you know, it's I'm sure all Japan is in the same boat when you look at their business and the right. fact that their business actually declined last year over year over year from year before these promotions barely hang on, you know, and. Promotions like Noah and All Japan, they have the history and the lineage and the prestige based on their names, but they're essentially indies. They're large indies, and they struggle, and they can go out of business at any time once whoever the money people are decide they're tired of losing money, and it's very perilous. So this is good news for Noah because now they're part of a much more stable situation and a giant company that's going to support them and get behind them if the way they've treated DDT is any indication. Takagi, very smart man. And I thought it was very smart that Takagi said at the presser, look, I'm just here for business reasons. The wrestling end is still, that's their that's their baby. So you're not going to see Takagi getting involved in 
creative directions or the booking or, or, or decisions on who, you know, and, and by all indications, Nosawa Rangai remains the booker. And I don't see why that wouldn't be the case because as we now know, this deal has been in the works for many months. So if cyber agent or Takagi or anybody on the parent company side had issue with Nosawa Rangai, he would have been out a long time ago. So I thought the kind of panic over his position, cause he's done a good job as booker and people were worried. But I thought that panic was kind of, you know, you, if you think about it for a second, that, that there's no justification for that panic because he would have been gone already. Um, it's very clear this deal has been in the works. Right. Once the so, ball's rolling, like they would have said, hey, launch this guy in December and then, you know, we'll, we'll announce it when we announce it. But let's get a guy in that we want. Yeah, that happens all the time. Like you, you notice like, you know, it happens in any sort of corporate takeover or anything like that. Yeah. Like guys, get, guys lose their job well before pen goes to paper it's official that this thing is going but like yeah it's a handshake agreement hey we're gonna buy you but like hey we need these guys out we want this guy in the place yeah all that sort of stuff so yeah he would have been long gone if if they really thought that he was doing a terrible job or that he needed to be replaced so right so i don't anticipate him being gone especially the way everything was framed at the presser where they're staying out of the wrestling end and that's up to them which also tells you that takagi and, and and cyber agent are confident in the product itself and the directions that the products are that the product is moving in, which they should be, because we've talked about it. Noah, especially under the new Booker, has has really felt more stable, and it felt like they're moving in, in better directions. So that all makes a lot of sense. Do you but, do you one hundred percent believe them when they say that they will not get involved? Like I know that maybe that's a good thing to say right now, but is it something that is easy to say now when everyone's happy go lucky? But if something goes wrong in Noah or the numbers go down, that they don't slide in there, or that he doesn't have something more to do with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's oh, sure. I mean, it could just be corporate speak. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. But for now, I guess we just got to take them at their word. Um, you know, I'm I'm just reading the same translated quotes that everybody else is reading. Right. I don't I don't understand the nuance behind it. Um, there was one person. And I'm not going to say who it was because he wasn't comfortable enough tweeting out the translation because he was afraid he might have lost some of the nuance. But there was one person who told me that at one point Takagi had brought up Bushi Road and said something to the effect that, you know, we're gunning for Bushi Road, but he wasn't comfortable tweeting that translation because he, he didn't know the nuance or was there a hint of sarcasm? Was there, you know what I mean? So there's, there's sometimes with translations, you're not getting the full scope of what the person's trying to put across. You know, things get lost in translation. That's why it's a, you know, that's why people say that. So, um, so yeah, of course it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, you know, it might be like you're saying, it's what you say at a presser when everybody's happy or just to, uh, make sure that everybody remains calm because a lot of the wrestlers were caught off guard. A lot of the Noah wrestlers were tweeting that they had no idea this was coming. Yeah. Um, you know, which obviously wouldn't be the case with Marafuji and the guys who were in any sort of positions of power. They obviously knew, um, you know, Marafuji didn't get a call two days ago saying, you're going to be, you know, uh, <laughs> you're now the executive vice president. Of nah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's absurd, you know. So, but but the wrestlers, you know, the, you know, your your, your grunts, your, you know, your foot soldiers, you know, your canoes and whatnot, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They didn't know until two days ago. So, um, you know, again, uh, I think this is positive for Noah. I think this now at least we know they're on stable ground, and that's important. And as far as if you're just a wrestling fan that doesn't care about the business end of things, this is good news for you too if you're a Noah fan because when you're a promotion that's on stable ground with solid financial backing and you're not looking over your shoulder uh, and you're not worried about whether you're going to be in business six months from now, 
it also helps from the creative end and the wrestling end because you don't feel as panicked to change direction if something's not working. You you can be more patient uh, if you believe in a certain direction because uh, a couple of bad corkins aren't going to put you out of business. Right. You know what I mean? So from that perspective, even just from a straight up, what kind of product are you going to get now? It's it's always better to have stable ownership and 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 know that your next paycheck, you know, when you know that your next paycheck's not in danger of being your last. Yeah, some some other stuff too that you know you talked about from a wrestling fans standpoint is obviously the streaming aspect of this is huge. That that Noah, you know, already as of today, I mean, God, as we're recording this this morning. Uh, Noah had a show on DDT Universe for free. Uh, it says right now the plan is to uh, for DDT Universe to carry one issue Noah shows per month. Uh, and as you said, they're already you go to the DDT Universe. There's already a section for Noah uh, as well. Back to back nights, uh, Sumo Hall, uh, November 21st and 22nd, as well for DDT and Noah. And that Noah will still be featured on Samurai TV and G Plus, but also uh, Abima TV. Uh, as well, starting in February, to start streaming. So, way more access to to be able to watch Noah, watch it live, which is is obviously good, and and it makes DDT Universe almost like a, a must buy as well because you're getting DDT and Noah. And and that's the part that I want to talk to you a little bit about is, you know, we have no idea the relationships and 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 the borders or whatnot between DDT and and Noah, but I think there was some quotes out there, and and, and again, I don't have the exact quote in front of me that there the relationship would also that there would be some wrestler relationships as well. I mean, the companies will be ran separately but that they're they're i mean it's obvious i mean you look at any japanese promotion and, and anytime they have any sort of agreement with another company you always see talent exchanges and and guys going back and forth and i that sounds great to me because there are a lot of guys in ddt that i think will would excel in noah and i think you know noah guys in ddt would be i mean it's just like it's a win-win for both companies as well they're they're obviously you know diametrically different you know pro wrestling companies but but i could see this relationship really being fruitful for a lot of reasons you know ddt could send guys to noah to get a little bit of seasoning and come back and 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 just the, the the relationships between the two I, i'm super excited about seeing a lot of guys you know moving back and forth or, or or you know maybe a few month excursions out there or title reigns or anything like that i mean that there's just guys that just jump out at me and you, you tweeted out immediately in the interim it was like you know haguchi going to noah is like oh my god we've been talking about that for years it's like i mean the greatest thing for him ever is like this just big brute that just kind of seems out of place in dt i mean that dude rolls into noah tomorrow and and and, and feels and, and and looks like a different wrestler but yeah there's a lot of guys that that, that has me pretty excited and i know you've been talking about that a little bit as well well, if you do a ton of crossover, then in reality, then they're not separate companies. So it's not like I would expect massive crossover all of the time. But it's very similar to New Japan and Stardom in that if you know if New Japan wants to put Stardom matches on their shows, it's now exponentially easier than it was before Bushiroad owned Stardom. It's the same thing here. Uh, you know, if, if you want to do those sorts of things, now they're super easy because you're all owned by the same uh, parent owner. So if you want to do joint show or you want to, you know, give a guy a change of scenery and, and, and have him, you know, work somewhere else but not lose him uh, entirely, those things just become easier. Right. You know, uh, sending big stars to one or the other just to prop up a show or prop up business, those things all become easier. So it's something very similar to the New Japan stardom relationship where it's something that's very easily done that you now have in your back pocket, which, again, makes everything a little more comfortable in terms of, you know, we know we have this thing that you don't want to over rely on it because if you're telling people these are two different promotions and two different companies, if you do too much in the way of crossover, then it just feels like one big company. Right, right. You know, and, and so you don't want to ever overdo something like that or, or whatnot. But uh, 
with this way, the possibility, you know, it, it, the possibility is there, and it's it's easy to do if you want to do it. Uh, they are running the back to back sumo hall shows. I don't know if you mentioned that. I, I did, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in November. So you know, um, very ambitious. Uh, you know, DDT, even as strong as they are, you know, they're never a lock to do great in a building that size, let alone Noah. So, um, you know, we'll see what Noah. Uh, builds to, I think that's in November, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, yeah, I mentioned the dates earlier. It was uh, uh, November 21st and November 22nd is the back to back sumo hall days. So, and then Noah presence on Peter Pan, I know was discussed. And um, you know, it's, see, for your biggest shows like that, I don't, you know, I think it's it, it's something that you should do. You just don't want to overdo it. Um, you know, it, it's 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 the kind of thing you have in your back pocket. But um, you know, well, you know, it's it's. You also want to wait and see, you know, if Noah gets treated like the little brother in a relationship, then that's not a good thing. Um, but the early signs, at least, are very encouraging. And I think if Nosawa wrong guy was going to be out, we would know that by now. I right. think he either would have been, you know, re- replaced before. And look, they may have, they may have had a hand in putting him in the position. That's possible. Yeah, we don't know how far back this yeah. went. I, I think the, the, oh. the, the most encouraging thing for me was that immediately, like the day that this got announced. Noah was all over the place. They had the free show announced. They had a, a yeah. section on the DC universe. Like, if you're not happy with the company and you're not happy with the way it looks or whatever, you buy it and say, okay, here's where... And, and again, this may have been what happened over the last six months or whatever. I don't know. But, like, you don't buy it and immediately go, hey, we got this new company. Like, like you might hide it a little bit and say, okay, we want this done and we want that done and we want that done. And then we'll we'll deem you worthy enough to join our service. Or then we'll, we'll, we'll you know, get out, all this stuff out here. The fact that, like, from day one, it was like, hey, Noah's in and here's a logo and they're on our website and they're all over the place. Like, to me, that means... I read that as we're at least in some way proud or happy of what they're doing, but we're just glad to have them under our, you know, under our wing now versus, you know, we're saving this company that was about to die and we need a lot of changes to get this thing back on track or whatever. That's something I think you immediately, you know, it seemed like they were pretty proud of of, of having Noah under their umbrella right away where, yeah, I don't know if it would be the case if they thought that A, the company sucked or B, that the company was, you know, is in, in, in as dire of a situation, even though we know that they were in a dire financial situation. But in terms of like creative and, and, and wrestling wise, I'm led to believe by all the stuff that I've read and seen so far that they're, they're pretty happy with it. So, yeah. And Cyber Agent wants content for their, um, their, their Amoeba TV gimmick. And obviously DDT has done well for them in that regard. And we're seeing sort of now with these two moves with Bushiro buying stardom and Cyber Agent now owing, owning or being the parent company of two different wrestling promotions. Um, this is to me all also the ripple effects of WWE Japan, which is you know eventually going to happen. Um, you know we know that Triple H met with Dragon Gate and was told to kiss off. We know that. Um, so you know, and, and there was a lot of talk that they met with Noah and that that didn't work out. And now we know why. I mean, uh, Ledette went in a different direction. Ledette, give them credit. I mean, they came in, they gave the company a new coat of paint, new logo, new colors. They moved away from, um, you know, all of from the green and from, uh, you know, from from all of the old, uh, you know, over the past decade or so that the company has been sliding downhill. So they gave the company a fresh coat of paint. They got it moving in the right direction and then they flipped it and probably made a nice profit off of it. So from that perspective, nice job out of them. You know, they just may not have been the right company to take it to the next level. And Cyber Agent may be. But you see these. Bushi Road and Cyber Agent sort of bracing for the impact that WWE is going to bring. And, um, you know, we know WWE wants to partner with someone 
because they've attempted it, but they're running out of options now. Right. They've had two. As, they've had Dragon Gate and Noah both told them to you know move on. <laughs> Ask right. Again. And and what they're running into in Japan on top of just the cultural differences that weren't as pronounced in Europe as they are uh, uh, in Japan. On top of the cultural business differences and the business differences, what they're running into are strong corporate entities that control the wrestling in Japan as opposed to the UK where they were dealing with independent promotions that were either easy to bully or easy to coerce or uh, or were just enamored with the idea of doing business with them. Whereas in Japan, you're not getting, you're not running into that. You know, it's like you sit down at the table with Dragon Gate you know, those guys haven't been waiting their whole lives to do business with you the way that maybe the prog guys that yeah, own the letter, progress Yeah, the letterhead work. doesn't do anything for, for, you know, Mochizuki doesn't really give a shit about the WWE letterhead, so. In fact, they're just probably more weary and, 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 and cautious of you rather than welcoming the way that uh, some of the promotions in the UK were. And then when you're dealing with giant corporate monoliths like Bushiroad and Cyber Agent, they have no – they're not going to – you just fall over for Vince McMahon. They don't care. They're businessmen just like he is, you know? So that's another barrier now that they have to face. And it seems as though if the rumors of late last year are to be believed, uh, if they're going to work with another promotion, it might just come down to big Japan since we know that, or we don't know, but it was rumored that Daisuke Sakamoto was at least opening to talking with them. And, was making those mysterious trips to the United States and working those weird indie shows last year, remember? And everyone mm-hmm. was like, wow, that's random. But he was meeting with WWE. And, and you know, so it's like, but Big Japan is such an awkward partner for them. With the right. Deathmatch stuff. Yeah, it, it's not ideal. I mean, we, we talked about it. I mean, I, I would think the most ideal company to me would probably have been Noah from the beginning because it felt like a company that at least – does similar style wrestling to the, you know what WWE does. It's not it's not a perfect one on one, and they're not going to find that really in in Japan. But but Noah made the most sense. Dragon Gate is is a very different style, a very different approach yes. to the wrestling business. That that yeah, that relationship was probably but a str- but a strong television connection with Gaora and all that. So there were things that were probably attractive sure. to WWE when it when it comes to Dragon Gate. Right, but um, I, that, that meeting room or that that table that that was never going to happen. Noah always felt like Ooh, okay, like Noah could they I could see. A, because we knew that they weren't in good financial state, and, and we knew that right. because they've been bought and sold you know, what three, four times now in the last you know five yeah. years or whatever. And, and, and business isn't great. I mean, we see attendance. Right. So it always felt like, hey, if there's this big offer on the table, that the, the company that would be most likely to say, yeah, you know what? Fine. You know, we're not going anywhere anyway, or the things aren't going well. We're like, Ledette doesn't care. They have no real stake in the game other than, as we've seen here, buy and sell and, and, and try to get a good profit on it or whatever. So, yeah, it, it made the most sense that, that they might be that company. And, and, and that's kind of that's what it kind of came down to. And I see a lot of people negative on this. And people, oh, no, yeah, yeah. like your options were die, <laughs> you know, get sold to WWE or get sold to Cyber Agent. Like it didn't, right. Ledette, <laughs> nobody, there wasn't going to be some white knight that was going to come here and, and, right. and buy Noah. Mayor Fuji was going to pop up a bunch of money and say, you know what, I'll lead us to the next, you know, that wasn't going to happen. So yeah, your options were die, get sold to WWE or get sold to Cyber Agent. I'll take C. I'll take C any day over A and B. And, and that's what happened. And, and yeah, we're left now with, okay, who who in this marketplace is left for WWE to come into? I mean, you got Dragon Gate is a no. Noah's a no. New Japan's obviously a no. Stardom, you know, you know that that obviously is a no now too. So it's like, yeah, there's not who, you know, okay. And there's, and there, and there's a lot of speculation that on top of 
Bushiroad and Cyber Agent feeling like Stardom and Noah are just good investments, that it's also blocking WWE from getting their claws into Stardom or getting their claws into Noah and partnering right. with Stardom's another one they could have partnered with. You know, and, and now that's off the table as well. So you have two promotions that were prime targets to be partnered with off of the table. And, you know, Bushiroad and, and Cyber Agent they're not stupid. They know WWE is coming and they know that this makes it exponentially harder for them to do so. They're either going to have to do it on their own, which is going to be very difficult to break into this market uh, without having the advantage of being linked up with an established promotion where their options now are severely limited. All Japan, I mean, they're in the same boat that Noah was in. I mean, they're not stable at all. Uh, Just look at their attendance. Um, You know, they're, they're scaling back on the size uh, sizes of the buildings they're running this year after having negative attendance growth last year. So, um, and then Big Japan, which is stylistically, I heard so, you know somebody pitched Wrestle One, and at first I disregarded it because they're just basically the equivalent of a small indie, but it's Muda, and that could be attractive for mm-hmm. both WWE and for Muda. Yeah, because because. You know, someone called – we just said someone called Marafuji to Jeff Jarrett of Japan. The real Jeff Jarrett of Japan is Muda. Yeah, who's literally okay. – <laughs> quite literally the Jeff Jarrett of Japan, Great Muda. Yeah, and it's like, you know, WWE would probably love to roll out WWE Japan with Muda as the face of the thing, you know, and Muda would lo- probably – be open to having them come in and make him a deal to get him out of. Oh, absolutely! Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, mean, yeah. You don't think Mood is going to say no? This means too much to me. This Wrestle One means too much to me. No, no. I mean, his mo his whole career has been to flip things and make deals, and 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 he's the Jared of Japan. So uh, that's an interesting one. That one I know? like a lot better. The Big Japan. I I know that the Sakamoto thing is there. I know. The, I just I cannot even just fathom. You know, Paul Levesque and 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 Canyon Seaman like sitting there, you know, at the back of a, a you know a Death Vegas show, going, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 this is very good, very good. Like you know what I mean? Right, like right. I can't buy that. I could buy them doing it at Wrestle One because Wrestle One stylistically, no, it's not a, a, a perfect fit. But like, God, it's a much better fit than Big Japan. Like, the Big well, you got to answer it. Look, Triple H just spent all that time telling people publicly. We only work with promotions in the UK that are safe and do things the right way. <laughs> right. Have, so here's a guy putting a fucking syringe in another guy's cheek. Yeah, it's like... yeah, you know, you can't spin that, you know? So it's like, it's just such a weird style fit because once, it, you know, if, if investors or American media got a whiff of what Big Japan's doing over there, now you have to answer all of those questions. It just doesn't feel like a, a corporate fit. That's why Barry and uh, Wilson are out. There you go. There, we broke the case. <laughs> Yeah, they, they saw announced their match. relationship with Big Japan, and they were like, "Nope, we're done." Yeah, exactly. I'm joking, of course, I'm joking. or maybe so, I'm I don't know. So you know, maybe Wrestle One, but Wrestle One has just such a small footprint. I mean, they're a non-entity. I mean, yeah, at that point, I would almost rather just try to roll it out on your own. Like, I, I think both are failures. I think both are unmitigated failures. I think the whole NXT Japan thing is going to be a failure, regardless of how they do it. But I would almost think. That if you resign yourself to, all right, we're partnering with Russell One, like that, I almost feel like just do it on your own. Then just fail on your own at that point, or yeah. maybe, maybe you know, or if you want to buy it, just so you can say that Muta's in charge of it or whatever, and he has a dojo side and all. Well, that. here's I what you get: it, I guess, you get but. Muta, you get Muta, and you get a core stable of wrestlers to start building off of. You know, you get a Naba and you get a Shino, and um, you know, you get your Andy Woos, right. whoever and else. I guess they you have, have to do contract. that because you can't really start on your own because you can't pluck you guys wrestlers. either because guys are well, not going to yeah. leave. Yeah. So. Exactly. That's the whole thing. They need 
this is part of the big reason they need to link up with someone because right. they need a core roster, you know, and, and you'll get that with Wrestle One. And, the, you know, they've got some attractive looking wrestlers there. Um, no one, I think, can be a breakout international star or anything like that, but you're a Nabas and you're a Shinos and you're and some of the other guys they have there. They have some nice uh, junior heavyweights in Wrestle One. I'm not even sure they have their own dojo. Are they one of those promotions that shares the dojo with like two or three other promotions? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even positive, positive, to be honest. A yeah, listener can know. tell us. A yeah. listener can tell us. But it's it, I think they share a dojo with two or three other promotions. They don't even have their own, which would be an advantage of a big Japan or some of these other promotions we're talking about where they have their own dojo and they do their own training. But does WWE want those deathmatch guys? They wouldn't even want them. I mean, they're, they are of no value to WWE, the deathmatch wrestlers. And um, even the strong wrestlers aren't necessarily what WWE likes to present. I mean, stylistically, the Wrestle One wrestlers are a much better fit. So I don't know. Have we talked ourselves into Wrestle One? I, I, as- I think so. When I heard. You know, I saw that someone mentioning that. It immediately piqued my interest a little bit more because the Big Japan thing always felt weird, like I said. Where when someone said Wrestle 1, I was like, all right, yeah, that's a, a roster of, like, good-looking, presentable. Because I, I, I think, like, all in all, like, and, and again, WWE is an aesthetic company. They, st- they yes. always will be, you know. And you look at, you know, the, the Big Japan roster, no offense. Like, I love the fucking, I love those guys, but they're just a bunch of either Deathmatch guys or promotion. Big Beefcake dudes. Like, they're not yeah, really. promotion. They're, they're yeah. not really attractive. But, like, you know, you got, you know, the Russell One guys, there's a lot of guys that can wear, wear the hell out of a suit in that company. And Absolutely. Yeah, stylistically, it makes sense in terms of the re- style of wrestling they do. You have the Muda connection in there, which, you know, that is attractive to an American fan base as well, as well as the Japanese fan base is saying, hey, great Muda's running this, this thing or whatever. Or he's in charge of it or whatnot. But, yeah, it, it just it, it all seems to fit a little bit better. Guys, you know, that look a little bit more the part to, to what WWE thinks the part needs to look like. And, and, and yeah, stylistically, it works a little bit better. It's just the idea is that, yeah, you're, you're partnering with a company that's pretty much a non-entity, but... You know, if 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 that's your only option that's left on the table, and the, the choices are Big Japan or Russell One, you know, if I'm WWE, I, I choose Russell One for sure over that. Yeah, if it's just about getting a core roster and getting Muda to front the thing, to be the front, to be the face of the thing, and just to ha- get in, get your foot in the door, it, it's probably the best option. You know, and here's the thing: when they do come to Japan, whether it's linking up with someone or on their own, there are going to be jumps. I hate to break people's hearts. Like, I don't think there's going to be massive amounts of jumps but you're gonna have your akira tozawas and your jiros and other people like that who do have that wwe dream in japan okay it's not going to be as widespread as you saw in the uk where basically everybody wanted in i don't think you're going to get that but i do believe wwe will be able to pluck a couple of guys from each promotion um i i do see that happening you know i just don't think it'll be this kind of situation where it just completely depletes the scene, destroys everybody else because there's nobody else left. But um, yeah, there's guys over there with the WWE dream, and there's guys over there who are businessmen who may see this as a good business move. Or wow, I get my foot in door WWE, maybe I can move to America, headline WrestleMania. You know how wrestlers are; they all hit that pillow at night thinking they're going to headline WrestleMania and make tens of millions of dollars. So there's gonna you're gonna have uh, wrestlers who are businessmen who think it's a good business move, and you're gonna have some. Who do have that dream? Because we've seen them make that jump already. Why wouldn't they do it if it's in their own backyard? Right. So, you know, I do think there would be – you know, look at Daisuke Sakamoto. You know, who would ever thought that that guy would have designed – but he's listening. You know, so it, it's – you know, and Miko Satomura apparently, you know, there's lots of talk. She would be part of this thing. So um, – and, you know, and then people like that, like Satomura and Sakamoto, they have a sphere of influence. You know, they have young wrestlers that they train. 
they have young wrestlers who who came up with them who they would be able to coerce into taking those sorts of deals too. So in terms of building a roster, I don't I don't think they'd have as much trouble as other people seem to think they would. I think they'd be able to build a roster. Where I think they would struggle is just doing business in that country and that environment because it's so different than anything else they've ever encountered. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you mentioned at the top, like a lot a lot less people are marks for the letterhead, you know, and the yes. logo or whatever. I mean, they, 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 there there are still like you said, there are still the people that want the dream, but yeah, not nothing like you know, in, in the UK where all those people grew up watching WWE and the second WWE said, hey, uh, we want to help you. They went, oh, great. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> hey, and perfect. don't forget, yeah. they have an entire stable of Japanese wrestlers already under their employ that they can move over there. Exactly, right. right. Whether it's Shinsuke Nakamura or Kira Tozawa. I'm talking big stars, Io Shirai. I mean, you go right down the line, Asuka. Okay, so listen, I, you know, people seem to think the one thing I hear a lot is, oh, they'd never be able to build a roster. I think that's total bullshit. I think they, they already have a roster. Right, they one. can't build it from scratch, but they could build a roster. They, they, they have a, an in-house Japanese roster. Uh, and, and I, you know, whoever you link up with, you're getting a core roster. Right. And then you have people like Satomura and Sekimoto who are going to bring their people. But listen, roster building is not the issue uh, with this if it does happen. But I do think getting back to our original topic, this is clearly Cyber Agent and Bushi Road protecting themselves from the WWE machine coming into their backyard. Absolutely. So, yeah, cool news there, and, and we'll see uh, what, what goes on over the next few weeks and months. But, yeah, uh, Noah's going to be a lot easier to watch <laughs> moving forward. And as I said, uh, makes CT Universe a, a real good pickup as well because there's some other promotions on there as well. And, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool service of the times I have jumped in and gotten it, uh, usually around Peter Pan time or whatnot. It's, it's, it, it works well, and, and, yeah, it's one that I'm probably now going to uh, officially pick up and, and just keep around in my stable of, <laughs> of streaming networks that I just hold on to for, for – Ever basically, <laughs> it's, I just realized I had OTT uh, for like the last eight months without even knowing it. So I always forget I have Dragon Gate too. I do, but I don't know why I don't like. I need to do better about checking into these uh, services that I have. And that's that's you order these things. You order these things to watch one show, and then you just don't cancel them, and then you don't forget that you have them. Yeah, they, a lot of these companies have gotten a lot. Yeah, Dragon Gate got like six months where I like I legitimately did not remember that I had Dragon Gate. <laughs> I would like try to find yeah. these shows, you know, via other means or whatever. And I'm like, you dumbass, you have the service. Just go watch it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm paying for this. <laughs> you moron. Why am I still? Um, stupid. Anyway, uh, there we go. So that's two huge changes. Pro Wrestling Management. We I thought it would just be one, but instead it's two here. Uh, nothing new. I've been checking and refreshing. Nothing new from uh, the uh, WWE end as well as we're recording. So more stuff will come out. I know I, I did see that Brandon is doing an emergency WrestleNomics uh, as well. So I don't know when that's going to drop. It'll, it'll obviously drop after most people are listening to this. Uh, maybe before. I don't know. But either way, WrestleNomics and the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network will have all the details uh, on everything going on with that as well. But uh, let's move on to some other stuff uh, in the wrestling world. Before we do that, though, we do want to let you know this episode is sponsored by our friends at Grapple. And we've been talking about Grapple a lot over the last year. It is an app on the uh, that you can download for your phone, and you can do wrestling ratings as they happen. Uh, review a show, watch a show live, punch your ratings in, see what other people are rating, see what the best matches of the year were, all that really good stuff. We've been talking about it time and time again. Uh, we do want to let you know they did launch a new website as well, grappleapp.com, and there's uh, blog posts on there as well, some short articles uh, that t- you know dive into some stuff. 
stuff, some some matches that maybe uh, got better ratings than, than most people expected, top 10 women's matches, top 10 tag matches, some other stuff up there. Doing a lot of year-end stuff as well, kind of wrapping up 2019 uh, as we're doing our match of the year as well. Uh, and there's also the Grapple 100 as well. There are 100 best matches as voted on uh, by the Grapple app. So you can see all that uh, at grappleapp.com. And we're also going to uh, integrate them into our reviews later in the show as well. So you'll hear a little bit of what the ratings were. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great app. It's one that I use every single day. Every time I watch a show, I'm, I'm, I'm punching in the Grapple app, punching in my ratings, seeing what other people are doing. And, and, and yeah, we've uh, the, the support of our listeners has been huge to Grapple as well. We hope they continue downloading it and keep continue using the site as well. So, uh, and also anything, any, any feedback as well, they're, they're always, always open to that as well, at Grapple app uh, on Twitter. We've had a lot of voice wrestling listeners say, hey, this thing isn't quite working, or hey, this thing's a little weird, or hey, can you add this promotion or whatnot? And, and, and almost 100% of the time, they get it solved, or they add that promotion, they do whatever. So they care what you guys think. You guys listening are important to Grapple. That's why they advertise on the show. So uh, at Grapple app, uh, make sure you download the app on Google Play uh, and the Apple App Store, uh, and also go to grappleapp.com as well, their new uh, official website where you can go check that stuff out. But as we said, we're going to integrate some grapple stuff uh, in the in the show reviews as well. So, all right, where do you want to start, man? We got <laughs> man, we got a lot. We got NWA, we got NXT, we got Royal Rumble. I, I, I'm open. The roulette wheel is spinning, Joe. Where do you want to start? We should probably start with the uh, with the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so uh, we'll we'll start at the top here with the, uh, the the men's Royal Rumble, the main event here, uh, which I thought was a really really good Royal Rumble as well. Drew McIntyre winning, uh, eliminating Roman Reigns to officially punch his ticket to WrestleMania uh, Pirate Flag or whatever. I don't know. It's 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 WrestleMania 36, but God only knows what you know pretzel they're going to twist themselves in and not use the number. We had WrestleMania in New York. Do you remember WrestleMania in New York last year, Joe? That was I thought I, that was I do. I remember like, it. Just call it the number. Like that wasn't the first one with the number, right? What was the um when did they stop using the number? A I forget years when ago. they stopped. Yeah, uh, I think uh WrestleMania Star, the the Dallas WrestleMania, I feel like was the the first one. Maybe 30 uh So WrestleMania 30 they did use the XXX. I know that for sure. So maybe either 31 or 32 is the first year. 32. Yeah, yeah, so it's been a few years now. Um well, you know, it's there clearly when you look at uh the the biggest cultural event uh in the United <laughs> States and the biggest sporting event uh, uh in the world when you look at uh, with the exception of the World Cup, I guess, the Super Bowl uh Rich uh, clearly, their use of Roman numerals uh, and/or numbers has has hurt the Super Bowl's reach. So I guess WrestleMania is just following that lead, right? I mean, because who can forget this Sunday's Super Bowl Miami Gardens? <laughs> you know, that's coming up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if the Super Bowl is still good using numbers, and I think Roman numerals are classic. I fucking I mean, love Roman numerals, man. That's Roman how I learned. I learned Roman numerals via. Uh, I had like this old, I God only knows when it was published, probably like 1995 or whatever. It was like this, this magazine all about old Super Bowls or whatever. So that's why like, I, I have like a catalog, like a catalog knowledge of like the first 40 Super Bowls or whatever, the first 30 Super right. Bowls or whatever. Cause like I would just pour through that. We talked about it a few weeks ago where you get your one wrestling magazine, maybe every month or so. And you just pour through every single page of that, that thing I had for years. And it's like, I learned Roman numerals through that magazine. Like it, it's, it's, I think I've probably lost them now cause I haven't used them since, but yeah, like I, I, it's classy to me. It shows that you've been like. That to me, I would ba- wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah, we've had thirty six of these things. Look at all those fucking numbers. Like, like the Super yeah. Bowl is ridiculous now because you got to get to the L's. You got you know all this sort of shit. But I think that only adds prestige to it. Look at how many of these things we've had. Like it's great. Or just use the numbers if you want to say Russ made thirty six. There's been thirty six of these. That sounds awesome yeah. to me. Like I, I love that. I, I think I would use it all the time. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that shows the success of the brand. Right. That it's been able to survive for thirty six years. Um, thirty six. Yeah. I mean. There's, you know, 
a lot of a good chunk of the roster. Like what blew me away about the Royal Rumble is everyone who does all these wacky Rumble stats and everything was just the sheer amount of people in these Royal Rumbles who were born after the first Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be. They were just born into a world where the Royal Rumble existed. And it's just one of those things that blows your mind. But it's the same with WrestleMania. I mean, you know, 36, it's not super young anymore. You know, it's like there's plenty of people that will work that show. Well, maybe not plenty with their roster, but there's plenty of people <laughs> who will work that show who were just born into a world, uh, you know, where WrestleMania – uh, you know, already existed, you know, so which it kind of explains the mindset we always talk about where a lot of young wrestlers, it's like they're just you see these specials on the network and, you know, they just I can't believe them. You know, they walk out to the empty building on Sunday morning and they're like, I can't believe I'm working at WrestleMania. This is fucking incredible. Whereas in the 80s, the mindset was this is the next stop on the tour and it's the biggest payday. Right. You know, and they didn't give a fuck that it was WrestleMania or or fucking, you know, shitbag cock and balls mania. It didn't matter to them. Right. All other, they other than Liberace being there, that was it was pretty much just another show for them. It was another show. You know, it's just the next show on the tour and, and it just happens also to be an enormous payday. So, you know, uh, you know, I might work slightly harder on this one, although on some of those early manias. <laughs> I would really debate that. They <laughs> treated it like just another show too. Yeah, WrestleMania part. 1 is the most house show how sh- I mean, my God, the effort level. <laughs> yeah, and that one you can kind of understand because it's WrestleMania 1. They don't know what. Yeah, really, yeah. That really was just the next show. On the, the, one, the one that always gets it's me like, is WrestleMania 3, where yes. you see like Billy Jack Hayes go out there and just like, I'm like, dude, there's 90,000 people in this arena, 73,000 people or whatever. Like, let's go. Get let's, in trouble let's, now. Let's get don't going. Get in trouble with that attendance, Rich. Yeah, yeah, Careful yeah. With the attendance, Grage. No, but seriously, you're right. WrestleMania 3 is the one where like nobody works hard. <laughs> and you're and, and you're like, this is look at the size. Just okay, maybe WrestleMania means nothing to you, but look at the size of this house. You know, you you might want to put in a little more effort. Uh, but then again, you know, these guys were working. Some of them, you know, probably worked fucking twenty five straight nights before that show. Right. <laughs> some with, may have with, worked the night the the morning prior or something. Fuck double knows? shots on the fucking on Sundays, you know. So you know, you, you kind of get it. But uh, but yeah, the younger wrestlers now, you forget that they're born into a world where this existed and it was already, you know, when they became wrestling fans, fucking, you know, if a wrestler, there's a 26-year-old wrestler, if Liv Morgan, you know, she probably became a wrestling fan during the Cena era. Think about that. Right. And, and, and WrestleMania is already held in such great reverence to her. It's fucking ridiculous. It's incredible to be working at WrestleMania, you know? Whereas when Hercules Hernandez was putting on the boots for WrestleMania 3, he was like, ah, fuck, I just want to go home. You know, I want to get this payday and I want to see my fucking kids. So it's just, it, it's been interesting to kind of see that sort of, uh, and of course, Shawn Michaels and all those guys making sure it, turning WrestleMania into where you put in your best possible performance yeah. also helped transform you know, WrestleMania into, okay, I have to, and then the company harping on WrestleMania moments is the other thing, you know, and now everyone who's on the card, oh, I got to have a moment, you know, I got to make sure people, and then when everyone's having a moment, no one's having a moment is what happens, you know, that's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's that theory, and now it's just uh, oversaturated, it's odd, we started this conversation talking about the Roman numerals of the Super Bowl, right? Any a hardcore football fan will tell you that the Super Bowl is their least favorite game of the year. It's kind of happened to WrestleMania too. It's not really 
a wrestling fans wrestling show anymore. It's about, with the exception of maybe the main events, everything else is just about how big and gaudy can we make this and how many moments can we cram into this seven hours? You know, and, and that's kind of what it's become. And it all starts at the Royal Rumble. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, well, put a put a pin in the Liv Morgan conversation because I have a fun little uh, note yeah. about Liv Morgan I want to talk about uh, during the Women's Rumble. But uh, uh, Drew McIntyre wins the uh, the Royal Rumble. Uh, our dream of Brock Lesnar coming in first and eliminating everybody one by one. Joe, I told because I, I told people before they're like, oh, what do you think is going to happen?" And I had a bunch of people at my house watching or whatever. I'm like, yeah, "I think Brock's going to just eliminate everybody and stay in the ring the whole time." <laughs> like half joking or whatever. Joe yeah. by like. By number 12, when he tossed MVP out, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, the, the time when I really believed that he talked Keith Lee and Braun Strowman out, I think at the exact same time. And I was like, guys, this might happen. Like, I can't believe it. But this might happen. Obviously, it did not. Uh, uh, Drew McIntyre uh, eliminates Brock Lesnar uh, after 26 minutes and, tw- and, and 24 seconds. Brock has 13 eliminations uh, in this Rumble, uh, obviously the, the most of all time. Uh, but Drew McIntyre gets the win. And, and overall, I thought it was a really, really good Rumble because, I mean, I guess if you hate Brock Lesnar, you hated this. But we're on record. I fucking love Brock Lesnar. I was, I'd be perfectly fine if he just eliminated all 28, 9 guys and then just danced in the ring the whole time. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. But, yeah, as long as you, if you don't care about the company, you don't care about booking, you don't care about anybody else on the roster, then, yeah, you probably enjoyed this Rumble. If you do care about Cesaro and Big E and, and Kofi and, and, and Robert Roode and all these other guys, all these other fucking geeks, then maybe you care. But, yeah, I thought this Rumble fucking rocked. I thought the, the beginning was great with Brock. And I thought the, the part after, you know, Drew eliminated him was, was a lot of fun as well because it kind of left open of, uh, hey, who's going to win this thing? And, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. I thought both Rumbles were two acts, right? And the first act of the men's Rumble was obviously the Brock stuff. Yeah. Until he took the low blow from Ricochet and then the, uh, what what does Drew call the his Claymore kick? kick. The Claymore kick. kick, yeah. So Ricochet and, and, and Drew eliminate him, but that was the first act. And then the second act of the match began. And I love the Brock stuff. I mean, I thought it was tremendous. It was... Uh, you know that that's something you'll remember forever. That's a rumble moment you'll remember yeah. forever. Brock eliminating everybody one by one. You know, and there's so many forgettable rumbles, and you just reviewed half of them. Um, you know, it's like uh, I just watched a 2003 rumble, which was like star-studded. You know, oh my you, god, yeah, that rumble fucking rocked. <laughs> yeah, was, and the work rate in that rumble, the work, the old school use of work rate, just yeah. how hard everybody was working. Like they'd get in the ring and they were just running through spots and and. It was a very like uh, hard working rumble, and but the thing is, it didn't have a lot of moments that resonate. You know, before I clicked play, I didn't remember a thing about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like this rumble, you're always going to remember Brock just fucking flinging dudes out of the ring. You know, and the cool little things like like the Shelton Benjamin, you know, and Brock with that shit eating grin on his face, and and Shelton thinks he's getting in there with his old fucking Minnesota Wrecking Crew three buddy. And they're just going to wreck shop on everyone. And then Brock just fucking turning on him and throwing him over the top rope. I mean, that shit, you know, they even weaved uh, a lot of story into it. So, yeah, the first half of this rumble fucking ruled. And even if you don't like Brock, you ended up getting a payoff, too. It worked for everyone. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and I saw a lot of complaints about, oh, well, I can't believe he threw out Cesaro in 18 seconds and Morrison in nine seconds. Well, the reason he, doing that makes the Drew elimination that much better. Because if Brock is in there and there's 10 other dudes in the ring and he's, you know, trying to lift Cesaro in the corner for five minutes and then Drew McIntyre kicks him out or whatever, nobody gives a shit. It's just like, all right, Drew eliminated Brock. It needed that. You needed that. And, and like, yeah, I get the complaint. If, if Brock goes in there and tosses everybody out in 18 seconds and then wins the entire match, then, yeah, you've pretty much said the rest of your roster is geeks. But the fact that you, you know, and we, we say it all the time. I think people, people lose track of the fact that, like, guys have to get pushed. 
guys need to get pushed. And you can't push everybody because then you're pushing nobody. So what are your moments conversation that you're having? If you, everybody has moments, nobody has moments. If, if, if you wanted the idea of this Royal Rumble, the, the idea when this Rumble was over is that Drew McIntyre is a star. For him to do that, I'm sorry, Biggie. I'm sorry, Cesaro. I'm sorry, Kofi and Ray and, and Rude and Eric Rohn or whatever. You guys got to, you know, the way to get that over, to get the elimination over, those guys need to get tossed out quickly. Those guys need to be treated like the geeks they are. And, like, people have a tough time wrapping their head around that. But, like, I'm, I'm all in favor of this. I'm all in favor of WWE pushing the top stars, pushing their, their people that they want you to think that are important. And then the rest of the guys, sorry, Cesaro, you, you don't mean that much. Like, yeah, you know. that's the thing. Like Cesaro and John Morrison and fucking Bobby Roode, those guys are non-entities anyway. Who cares? They've never – they're never getting behind those guys uh, in, 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 a, in a meaningful way. You know, as we've seen with all three of them, it's not going to happen. Yeah, the guys that, and- that slightly mattered, your Kofi, he was in for five minutes. Rey Mysterio was in for two Keith Lee was in for three minutes. Like ultimately, they got tossed out, but they weren't as much of the, like the the the, the Rude, Morrison, like Biggie. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Biggie thing is, but that, that again, if, if you're 2020 and still saying, "Damn, they're not treating Biggie right," I agree, but that's never going to happen. So you got to right. got to move across that Cesaro. If you're still in 2020, going, "Man, Cesaro's getting underpushed or whatever." Like Nakamura, he was out of there in 20 seconds. Shelton Benjamin was out there in 37 seconds. MVP yeah. was obviously 24 seconds. Like those guys, they don't matter, and 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 that's a great use of them is to have you know them. Their entire purpose in this Rumble was to make Brock look that much stronger and then for Drew McIntyre to use all that momentum to get himself over. And that's exa- I think they played it perfectly. All that mattered with MVP was the surprise return. Um, right. The Shelton thing had that little story behind it, and I thought that was a fun little segment. And Ray and Kofi had built-in stories with Brock, and they did better than those other guys. They did. That's the point you're making. Mm-hmm. You know, They did better than those guys, but ultimately they succumbed to Brock, uh, which is the guy that you're pushing. And then the guy that you're really pushing fucking eliminated him, you know, and they and they gave Ricochet a little bit of a rub, too, because Ricochet was the guy who kind of stopped the bleeding, you know, because he didn't get eliminated right away. And then, uh, yeah, Brock, you know, clearly overpowered Ricochet, but Ricochet was crafty and he kicked him in the nuts and uh, and then Drew finished him off. So um, and those two guys obviously are being pushed at a level above. 90% 90% of those other 14 guys that we just named, with the exception of maybe Ray uh, and maybe Kofi. Uh, and, and again, Ray and Kofi looked okay. Yeah. They, they weren't completely jobbed out the way that Rude was and, and somebody and Nakamura, who's just a complete non-entity now, despite the fact that he won the thing two years ago, but he's a complete non-entity. When he came strutting down to that fucking violin, was there any doubt he was immediately getting oh, thrown God, out? No, not at just, all, yeah. That's who he is now. He is fucking Cesaro. He is Bobby Rude. He's a non-entity. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought the first half of this match was fucking awesome. And I thought, you know, the payoff of Drew knocking him out left open a lot of possibilities at the end of the match. Because now you could just go all the way with Drew and have him win, which is what they did. Or you could have someone else win, but Drew is already a winner because he knocked Brock out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, when, when you know, other guys that, that, that came out that I really thought had a chance of winning or whatever. Obviously, Edge, the, you know, coming back, that was a huge, huge yeah. story. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, but when Reigns came out, he was about the only other guy I thought. And the reason why I thought that is because I said, okay, well, you don't need Drew to win this anymore. Because Drew, obviously, on Raw, he, he's got a built-in sword with Brock already. He's ready to go. Brock is going to probably want to face this guy no matter what at Mania. So there you go. So now you can have a SmackDown guy win this, and the SmackDown guy then challenges, you know, for the right. title. And, and, and Drew still gets his title shot. So there was a perfect way to tell that story if you wanted to have it go to Roman Reigns. 
points, but I think having Drew win it is just that much more. It's a cherry on top. It's like not only was he going to get his match anyway by eliminating the, the you know Brock, but now he won the whole damn thing. So I think this is done perfectly because the Raymonds thing you could have done it, but it would have felt a little you know yeah you know a little. A little weird, and obviously you would have had a, a, a weird reaction, too, if Reigns winning it. I mean, I, no matter what they've tried, he's still kind of that guy, and there's still those sort of reactions or whatever. So I think they did the best thing ever that they could have done with Drew is, is like, Drew is a fucking star. They made a star. And in, in, in one night, this guy's a made man, and you're ready to go with him. And, and yeah, we'll see what happens at Mania. We'll see what happens uh, in the next few weeks. But I think him winning, it, it, the, the cool thing was that you opened up the possibility for other guys to win it, but I think the, ultimately the best decision was, was Drew winning. I'm still not buying Drew McIntyre, but... I don't, I don't blame them for trying because it might work. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're trying with him. I mean, that that's all you can ask yeah. for is, is here's a guy that's not a complete fucking stiff. He's not King Corbin, and you're trying right. with him. So let's see. Yeah. The, the fans are reacting to him. The fans are into him, and you're pushing him at the same time that the fans are into him. It's like this is something they, they – it's so foreign to this company <laughs> recently to, to actually go in the direction that people want, and, and we'll see. Like in, in two months' time, he might be an absolute geek, and it's like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? But for right now, they're, they're in lockstep with their fans, and that's been so rare over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Keith Lee is the other one too. I know you mentioned him briefly, but I thought the Rumble was a net positive for him. Because they let him go toe to toe with Brock a bit, uh, and he and he you know he lasted. He probably went about five minutes, right? Yeah, he was he was three minutes and thirty two seconds, but that's yeah. pretty long for you know the Brock segment because every other I one know, of those guys I, is thirty. I don't seconds. think anybody went longer. Maybe Kofi. Uh, Kofi went five, yeah, but then Keith was was the next highest. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, what about the little trick? Okay, so this is such a WWE thing, but they have Roman Reigns. Eliminate Edge, right? And then everybody boos. And then they have Drew immediately eliminate Roman. So it get so it's almost like they they're making sure that Drew gets cheered because people are mad that Roman eliminated Edge. Do you buy into that or do you think it was happenstance? Because I think they did do that shit on purpose. Uh, I think and it was on like, purpose, but I don't think that they thought that Drew winning one way or another was gonna get. I don't think Drew winning would have gotten booed one way or another. If that's See, what you're asking. I think it's one of the few times that their crowd manipulations work in the in like the micro moment that shit works because the crowd is just they're hot about Edge being eliminated because they want Edge to win. Yeah, right, right. And you got to find a way to get rid of Edge to get Drew over, right? So you have Roman throw Edge out, and you know that whoever throws out Edge is going to get booed, right? And then whoever, and then you have Drew eliminate that guy quickly and that's just going to get a natural pop and it's going to have drew look like even that much bigger of a star because he's getting that big pop but really it's an artificial pop because they're really just popping because he threw out the guy who threw out edge yeah see just i don't i don't know if i 100 percent buy that I, th- I think the crowd would have still reacted pretty well to, to drew I, yeah. what they did didn't hurt if it, you know i i think that's obviously a way to to, to tell a, a good story where yeah that, that all that heat that rains got from laying out edge or, or taking edge out drew then kind of takes that in reverse and and, and and turns it all the face seat by eliminating roman but i do think the crowd would have still reacted with drew i i think drew is over to this audience a lot so i don't 100 percent buy your, your thing but i think that again they 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 gave themselves a little bit more of of uh, leeway and and that's a great idea too i mean like again i think this was a great rumble when you talk about what did you try to accomplish like i always say the, the key to a good rumble is you know a, enough stories going in stars and and stories going out and and clear you know 
not a a hundred percent idea of who's going to win. And I think they had that. You had the star and Brock in the first act, as you said. You had stars come out later in, in terms of like a guy like a Drew, who I think they're building up in that way. Edge, your 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 Reigns, is your Orton's, your those sort of guys or whatever that that are all you know the stars of that second half or whatever. You have the stories going in a little bit of the you know stuff with the, with Kofi and Ray or whatever, and obviously the 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 Seth Rollins stable and all that sort of stuff. And then the stories going out, obviously Drew, you, you know, beating Brock and and, and retaining, and then also yeah, like the, the I the idea of like you don't know if Reigns or or McIntyre or any of these other guys are going to win. Maybe Edge. Like there was, yeah, like you said, that buy-in that Edge was going to win. So I think the way that they booked it was was, was perfect. But yeah, like ultimately, like 100. I, I don't I don't know. I agree 100 percent that that Drew's pop was because he eliminated Reigns. But I think it absolutely helped it. If that makes sense. What do you think of? And this guy is such a non-entity at this point that we didn't even mention him in the cavalcade of Brock geeks. Isn't it amazing that a guy that looks like Braun Strowman? is just a complete non-entity in this company. Mm-hmm. You know, it is incredible how they botched that guy up when there was clearly a point in time where they could have run with him. Well, if, if you listen to the show and, and, and people listening, you can pat yourselves all on the back or whatever. We told you that the, the Braun Strowman push was uh, a conduit to Roman Reigns. Like, build the monster up so Reigns can beat the monster. Yep. And we're done with that story. That story was a year ago or whatever. And, and Braun, it's just incredible that a guy... I mean, he should be your next Brock. You should be. You should have built Braun up to the point where you don't need Brock and all the bullshit that he brings. His his inflated salary, his schedule demands. You had the next one yeah. that you could, you could have <laughs> created one that would be more of a team player, right? And it's like he is a total non-entity. As I said months ago, Braun Strowman is now the big show. Where they where you have this guy who, to this day. You should be able to count Big Show's pinfall losses on one hand. I firmly believe that. He should have been pushed like a modern Andre the Giant. He should have never lost other than when it absolutely meant something to push someone else. And he should have been treated like a special attraction because he was special. He was very athletic when he was younger. Um, That's what Braun should have been in that ilk. This guy, you should know exactly how many times Braun Strowman has lost a match and who beat him and why and what it did for that person. And he's just a guy. He's a guy who comes in while Bra- he's just a he's a he's Robert Roode, John Morrison, Eric Rowan, MVP. That's what he was, and that's what he is. That's crazy to me. That that's where we are now with Braun Strowman. But we saw that play out over the last two decades with the Big Show. So why should we be surprised? Right. You know, Big Show. They got, and I'm not saying that Big Show wasn't a big star. Big Show is a wealthy man who was a big wrestling star at a good time in history to be a big wrestling star in the right company. Okay, But he should have been an even bigger star. And he should have been treated even better in the booking. And he wasn't. You know, Essentially, he was just a seven-foot guy on the roster. You never felt like someone in a match with the Big Show had no chance. And you should have felt like throughout his entire career, oh shit, they're doing... Whoever the fuck against Big Show, oh my god. Whoever the fuck has no chance because Big Show doesn't lose. And then when whoever the fuck beats Big Show, it's a catapult. Holy shit. That's only the third time Big Show has ever lost. But, you know, you have these these unique, you know, I hate to call it, you know, freak show style attractions, which is what they are, when you have human beings that are bigger than 99.9% of the human beings who have ever lived. And you, you... 
you just you get the least out of the most. It's crazy how you get so little out of what you're handed when you're handed so much. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and it's not like you even had a force feed brawn either, because like there was a time, I mean, People a year and a half ago, yes. where it was working. Like the fans were into him, everybody was into him, and and yeah, that's you know. We saw it coming, and, and it's even it's even harder than I thought it would be. To be honest, gonna big, he is going to have Big Show's career arc. You know, you, you, you come in, you think this guy's the next, and he's just going to do comedy. He's going to turn a thousand yeah, times. I was going to say, here's the best way to say, uh, Joe. What is Braun Strowman? Is he a heel or a face? I don't even know. Answer right now. I don't know either. Face? I think he's face right now. <laughs> right, there you go. There you it's go. like the fact that we don't know is even a bigger indictment. You know, and it's like you don't even know what they're doing with him. But he's going to turn a million times. He's going to have a thousand tag team partners. He's going to do comedy. And then he'll get once every two years or once a year a six-week push. And then he'll lose his t- a title match or something and then rinse repeat uh, again. He's the big show. So anyway, act two of the match is where Edge was the big surprise. And uh, the Drew McIntyre stuff uh, played out. What about Matt Riddle? I was going to say, we uh, got Heat, Joe. Heat. <laughs> Matt Riddle with the Heat. Corbin. Threw him out in 41 seconds. How about that Well, Matt Riddle with the backstage heat, uh, reportedly, which is why Corbin threw him out. And uh, the idea being Corbin would get more heat for throwing out the the, – the uh, the crowd favorite Matt Riddle. You're but it was smarky, crowd- you smarky assholes that like Mark Matt Riddle. Was he really a crowd favorite though? Did he not get not a really? Thunderous not really. Pop? <laughs> he didn't really get a thunderous pop. I mean, they haven't really pushed Matt Riddle to the extent that they they, they could on on NXT to this point. Um, you know, if they had any guts whatsoever, they would have done this to Adam Cole. That would have gotten some heat. Uh, but you know, they're not going to do that to Cole, obviously. But Cole, like, if if you're gonna if Vince McMahon is going to say, I'm going to take one of those NXT wrestlers and rub it in the faces of the smarts. <laughs> Which, why are you doing that? You're, you're, this thing is on Wednesdays on USA. Why would you do this? Number one, why are you doing that? Well, next, and here's, here's a big, you know, not to interrupt your, your, your point here, yeah. but big picture, like, what are you doing? Why did none of the NXT, none of the NXT guys were in this ring? There were two guys, Keith yeah. Lee and Matt Riddle. Keith yeah. Lee was, was, as you said, treated okay, but eliminated with Braun Strowman. And Matt Riddle was eliminated in 41 seconds. Go watch us every single Wednesday on USA. Yeah. Like, you've got to have one NXT guy have a decent run, right? Nah, you fire George Barrios. <laughs> like, you got to have one um, NXT guy. Like, you have a Survivor Series that was built around the fact that NXT is on equal footing. Go watch. Like, and the ratings reflected this. And we were saying, man, they figured it out. They finally got it. NXT just needs to be the third brand. They just need to treat it like it matters. And on this Rumble, you have two NXT guys in there, and they're in a combined four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they do nothing. <laughs> they do nothing in the ring. They, they proved that if you treat NXT important, it's reflected in business. They proved that. And then they immediately, totally, and completely got away from it. And then used Matt Riddle to, for some kind of dick-waving fucking contest against your own fans. You know, maybe he should fire himself. I don't know. So, and again, I don't even think Riddle was the best pick for that. But, no, but, no, no. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys that should have. Yeah, like I, I would have liked Adam Cole to come in there and just, you know, last seven minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? Toss Luke Gallows out. You know, toss. Well, I, I mean for to get thrown out immediately by court. Oh, you're talking about the heat thing? Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to actually you know, help their business. Guys to get over. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Is, sorry. Sorry. That's not the that's point. That's insane, yeah. Rich. I mean, that's crazy. Why would you put guys to get <laughs> I'm over? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't understand what you're doing. Like, what? that's not what we do here. Um. Unless it's Brock, we don't book guys to get over. But um, 
I don't know. It's like, but the, but the other thing is, there seems to be the idea that there's the other kind of heat with Riddle uh, rubbing people the wrong way in the back. So maybe this was just straight up. Okay, we want to punish Matt Riddle by booking him on the second biggest show of the year. I don't know how that. And by and and since we're going to punish Matt Riddle by embarrassing him in this match, who better than? To have to throw him out than Corbin because then the that'll be more heat for Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. and all of that's very stupid. I mean, do you, <laughs> right. do you anticipate Baron Corbin being a monster draw now? Because oh, absolutely. Well, now I'm going to buy a ticket to see King Corbin because you know. well, yeah, because he threw out Matt Riddle, who half of that crowd didn't give a shit about anyway. Right. So it's not like Matt Riddle came out to a thunderous ovation, and all you did was plant the seed that Matt Riddle doesn't mean anything, just like you did with Walter at Survivor Series, which is all counter intuitive to what you're trying to do what are we doing here can we just talk about the rest of this stupid match because i like this match and now i'm mad at the match yeah sorry 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 Uh, move on so we had the randy orton edge stuff which played off the next which you know played off the next night at raw did you see the angle on i did yeah it's good stuff i mean that's your wrestlemania match for sure is those two guys and that makes that's all i mean it's a perfect match for edge in his comeback because we don't know what he can do and i'm sure he's still slightly limited so randy orton's the perfect opponent because they can sit in a headlock for five minutes you know i mean randy's not gonna randy's not gonna say all right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do boom 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 but randy orton's gonna say let's keep it simple baby like let's look at each other headlock rko spear we're done good well if he's back he's back you know, I mean, I, I, you know, we talk about this with Shibata all the time, but if he's back, he's back, and I don't think there's any half measures. I don't think that means he wants to be falling off a of ladder. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, but that angle, you know, Royal Rumble, and then the angle on Raw, which I watched uh, right before we recorded, actually, um, that feels right now like the biggest, like the hottest match at WrestleMania. It feels hotter than Drew versus Brock. Um, it feels hotter. Well, actually, they haven't really announced anything. Well, I guess we know some of the matches, at least um, uh, direction-wise. But, I mean, that feels like the hottest match because the angle was so good. And I see a lot of complaints about the angle. Oh, well, we all saw it coming. So, well, sometimes... That's, <laughs> That's fine. That's good. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> doing the chalk thing is the right thing. It's not always the right, but sometimes, like the person you think is going to win the match should win the match. Right. And cause that's the story. And sometimes Hulk Hogan was going to be iron chic. <laughs> like that's fine. Like, you know. Yeah. Like that's the right, exactly. Like if the right thing here was Randy Orton to turn on edge, the, 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 the question was how will it be executed and will it get over and will it be well done? And I thought both guys nailed it. You know, when Randy Orton's talking about, you know, we were on the road together and you got me out of trouble and edge is like legitimately crying and choked up. And whether that's because he's become a thespian in his time away and is just a phenomenal actor or whether he was tapping into some real-life feelings that were legitimate because he knew it would help the angle work, it doesn't matter. The end result is that entire dynamic was fantastic. you know. And then they didn't really milk the turn. Like the Moxley thing with Jericho a few weeks ago on Dynamite with the, where he accepted – you know that went on forever before he finally turned on the inner circle and beat them all up. This was the timing on Randy Orton delivering that RKO to me was like perfect. Yeah, it wasn't a second too soon, and it wasn't a second too late. You know they didn't do the thing where they're walking around the ring holding each other's arm up, and you didn't have time to sit there and say when is this when is the turn coming yeah let's get on with it go go ahead come on (laughs) just just fucking rko and let's move on like with moxley i'm like fucking turn on them yeah yeah you know i'm looking at my watch like i don't even wear a watch and i'm like 
I'm looking at my wrist and I'm like, come on, the show ends in 45 seconds. Can we stop dancing to the music and pouring champagne on each other and just get on with this? This, the timing was just impeccable. I thought the angle was great. I thought the crowd reactions were great. I thought Randy Orton was great. I thought Edge was great. And I really do think it was a home run segment. And to me, this feels like the hottest match. A lot can change between now and the first week of April. Right now, this absolutely feels like the hottest match on the show. Uh, what else happened here? We had uh, Seth Rollins come in with his goons. Yeah, so they kind of all brawled version. around the ring or whatnot. So that, that kind of um, that took out, obviously, Owens, Black, and, and, and Joe all got eliminated by some combination of Seth and Aikam and Razor. So. Presumably setting up a multi-man tag at WrestleMania of some sort, or at least something at the next pay-per-view, maybe. Right. I was, I'm thinking maybe a multi-man tag in the, in the pay-per-view interim, and then a breakout of you know whoever versus you know Joe, who God only knows we'll, we'll see after Raw after because he got hurt. But yeah, maybe a breakout. Maybe it's a multi-man. I, whatever you want to do with it. But yeah, that, that that's that's obviously your direction again, and that's why I say this is a good Rumble. I mean, we, we have we have some clear directions going out of this of what's going to happen at Mania, and that's cool. Yeah, really good Rumble. So that was the men's Rumble. And uh, I guess we should do – let's do the ladies' rumble, Rich. Yeah, I will I will say real quickly, though, I, I always have t- trouble, like, star rating rumbles. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, kind of in between on this one. But uh, the, the folks at Grapple, 3.83, uh, which, you know, I, I went with four on it. So I, I kind of agree. I, I think it was a really good rumble. So, yeah, I was, I was cool with that. I actually rated this rumble for the first time ever. I assigned a star rating to a rumble match. I went four and a half on this. I thought this was a great match. Yeah, I can't hate you on that. That's that's Yeah, I'm right with you. I, I, you know, right below match at your level, I think. Um, you know, this was the best rumble in some time. I've enjoyed other rumbles because they were train wrecks. Like, what was it, 2015 with Roman? 2015 was the, uh, yeah. That, oh, that's, <laughs> that's when everything cool. went off the rail. Oh, 2016 a little cool. bit too, but 2015 was, was 2016 was off the rails from the beginning. 2015, like, built up to like a, a crescendo where then everybody was like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> like, yeah. And then the Rock coming out as the as, and then booing yeah, him too. Yeah, it's so great. It's that, that's great. that's the final episode of the Rumble Rewind uh, on Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling is that 2015 Rumble. I cannot wait to go back and rewatch that one. So I enjoyed those Rumbles for different reasons, you know, Shaden Freud reasons, whatever you want to say. But this was a legitimately uh, great match, and we should note, as I don't think we noted, this Royal Rumble review is brought to you by our pals at Grapple. As we move on to the uh, Women's Royal Rumble, this was a two act Rumble too. I thought I thought it was a clear first act before Charlotte entered, and then a clear second act after Charlotte entered. So, um, you know, similar to when Drew entered, it kind of switched gears in the men's Rumble. But the first act of this Rumble was the Bianca Belair show. And, Rich, you know I have been a – well, you know, not really on this show, but when I do the, the – have done the TV reviews over the last couple of years, people who are subscribers, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, people know that I am an unabashed supporter of Bianca Belair. And from the moment I saw her in the in the May Young Classic, I thought she had future star written all over her. Obviously, the company agrees as she went fucking uh, just fucking crazy in the first half of this match, uh, throwing people out left and right. Uh, is that to you the defining uh, memory of the first half of this Rumble, Bianca Belair's utter destruction of the rest of the roster? Absolutely. Yeah. Eight eliminations, which was tied for the most. We'll talk about who, who she tied with. Uh, 33 minutes longest of, of anybody in the ring there, and, and obviously the longest of the first half. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, you know, Alexa Bliss was in there for 26 minutes, but I couldn't tell you anything about Alexa Bliss's run. But I can no. tell, I can vividly remember all the Bianca Belair stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, she even got the ring cleared at, at one point. Anytime you do that, anytime that the ring gets cleared and one person's in the ring, like, that's that that's that act. You know what I mean? Like, that has told you this person is the one that's the most important. Because they only do that for... 
the Ric Flair in '92 and 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff like that is reserved for the best of the best. And she got in the ring on her own with nobody else in the ring there. So so that's a huge huge moment for her. So no, I I, I thought yeah absolutely the the story of that first act and I thought a tremendous story as well. Like just like the Brock thing, I like dominant people yeah. i like dominance like my wrestling is not 50 50 i have i have a hierarchy i have people i want to push i go into this match saying hey here's the two or three people we want to be the most important when this match is over so let's work towards that and and if you know if lana has to get thrown out or you know candice LeRae has to get thrown out really quickly then so be it whatever it's all for you know the, the person that we want to push the most and that was bianca belair so i thought i thought that was definitely the, the highlight of the first act and i think another highlight of the first act and we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the, the second act as well is just the proliferation of NXT talent in this rumble compared to the, in the men's rumble we talked about there was two guys they were completely irrelevant in this rumble you take the nxt talent out of this this rumble doesn't exist man there are i think there were more let me let me do the numbers of the math here i think there was more nxt roster members than raw roster members in this one that could be wrong. Counting, yeah it was 12 counting nxt uk wow and raw had one two three four five six seven eight nine and smackdown had one two three four five six seven so yeah <laughs> jeez uh, Raw had eight, I think. Six, three, four, five. Raw had eight. <laughs> yeah. And SmackDown had one, two, three, four, five. Seven. Yeah, six. Yeah. Yeah. That's And yeah, most of those Raw yeah. talents. I mean, uh, Lana, <laughs> irrelevant. Liv Morgan. We'll get to we'll talk about that in a sec here. She was in, 40, uh, in and out in 44 seconds. Kyrie Sane, five minutes. Naomi was in 22 minutes, but, you know, 15 of them were standing on an announce desk or whatever. Sarah Logan, 28 seconds. Natalia, 15 minutes, but pretty irrelevant. And Zelina Vega, only nine minutes. So, yeah, even the, the even the raw talent that was on there was completely irrelevant as well. So I, I don't know what that we means. Probably, but. We probably shouldn't count Beth Phoenix as an NXT wrestler. So if you want to say it was 11 and stuff. Oh, did they, oh they do have her counted. Yeah, we could be that as NXT, but, yeah. And then you had your surprises that filled out the rest. But, um, yeah, well, look. I talk about it behind the paywall all the time. As much as I gush about Bianca Belair, the other thing that I hammer home is how NXT has the best women's roster, uh, you know, in America. I mean, it's better than the WWE main roster. It's better than uh, AEW's women's roster. It's better than uh, Ring of Honor's, obviously, women's roster. That's not even close. Uh, the NXT women's roster is loaded, and it's a good thing that they featured a lot of these people. Um, in this match, whether it was Mia Yim or Mercedes Martinez, I wasn't sure we were going to get those people in this match. Uh, Chelsea, Green, Chelsea Green getting a new TV push, although she lost on TV anyway this week. <laughs> I, was say, I don't know. This seems like a bad push if uh, she out in 12 seconds on the Rumble and then loses to, uh, what was it, Caden Carter or whatever on, on NXT? I don't know about I push, think they're doing. I think they're telling a story where, I, I, Robert, yeah. where Robert Stone is like a geek. I think eventually she's going to be like, what kind of fucking – personal agent are you i get thrown out of the rumble immediately i lose you know so either he's gonna turn on her or she's gonna turn on him i think that's where it's going but who knows uh who really cares uh but yeah you know Shayna baszler and bianca belair were arguably the stars of the match yeah both nxt wrestlers uh one was the star of the first half of the match the other was the star of the second half of the match do you have a problem with charlotte flair eliminating both of those wrestlers i saw some people annoyed that Charlotte was the one to eliminate Bianca Belair. She has to eliminate Shayna because she needs to win the match. Right. I haven't seen anyone have a problem with that. But the fact that she eliminated both, do you have a take on that or not? Nah, not really. I mean, she's going to win the whole thing. I mean, nah, I, I really don't. I, I, I don't. I mean, because, like, again, like I say, you, you, you go into a Rumble, the way I would book it, and the way that clearly they booked it, is I go into a Rumble saying, okay, who are the, the, the handful of people that we're going to really push here? What are the, it, it, like, I don't want Natalia to eliminate Bianca Belair. Like she's got to get eliminated by somebody. 
you know, who, who eliminates her then in, in that sense? Like, I, yes. I don't want any, I, I want like Charlotte's going to win. We want to push her. Shane is going to eliminate a bunch of people. Bianca's going to eliminate a bunch of people. If that's going to be the case, then I want those three to be the focused people. And, and I want them all to be related in some way, shape or form. So yeah, I'm perfectly fine with, with Charlotte tossing Bianca out there. Alexa bliss, Nikki cross fire and desire. Dana Brooke, Tamina, and Carmella. Those were your SmackDown representatives. Oh, <laughs> how? A, how can they do that? Like, I mean, not such a bad roster. That, listen, not everyone in that list stinks, but most of the people in that list stink. Um, it's bad. It's bad stuff. Um, what else to talk about here? So uh, the surprises, Mighty Molly. She had a nice little run. I think she got her bell rung. Uh, Kelly Kelly again, and uh, I, I love how every single year they act like Kelly Kelly is like, oh my god, it's Kelly. She's been in every single like, surprise Rumble. She's always surprised, and they're always two. like, oh my god, it's Kelly Kelly. It's like, all yeah. right, started like at eight months two. ago. Like, who cares? Bring back Mike Knox, and we can talk. Right, um, <laughs> Santina, and then Santina Morella, which I think that shit. Uh, you know, they're t- they're. Does anyone remember the Santina Morella Beth Phoenix shit that they were trying to? Uh, no, I mean, dude, that was like 2008 that that shit happened, and they were just like, "Ha ha, you know that these guys have a history together." And I'm like, "Man, for a company that explains everything ad nauseum, they just assume that you remember an angle from 14 years, yes. or like 11 years ago with Santina." And and, and yeah, it was uh, that was a weird not a, thing. Not a super memorable angle either. No. It's not like this was fucking. You know, I remember Santina, of course. But I really had to rack my brain to remember the particulars of, of Santina Morella. But stupid. Could have used that spot for someone else. But I get what they were thinking with the Beth Phoenix stuff. And, you know, Beth got busted open. Oh, still God. Called. How was that? I, I don't know. Were you watching just by yourself or was TLB in the room for this as well? I was alone for this. this? Sad, lonely, and alone. <laughs> that's, hey, that's fine. That, that, every time they cut to her, the, uh, the women watching were not happy about Beth Phoenix's. And everyone's just like, my God, why is she still in the match? And why is she still in the ring? And we're like, we, all, we were like, well, she's either winning or they're going to do something with her. Because like, they, they would just eliminate her otherwise. And man, every single time, like, a girl would go up and then her arm would be filled with blood. And like, man, like, people were like, this is brutal. What's going on here? And we're like, okay, I don't know. It's not supposed to happen or whatever. But man, like, she was just gushing blood from the back of her head, man. I don't know what happened, but it was gross. Like, Tony Storm would grab her. And Tony Storm was all covered in blood, and then you know Charlotte Flair grabs her, and then Charlotte's all covered in blood. It was just like, God damn, like yeah. this is pretty. But then when the Santita came out, I was like, All right, well that's why. And and um, yeah. the women in attendance were like, Well, they kept her in so this like guy dressed as a woman could fuck around with her. And I went, Yeah, yep. <laughs> kind yep. of, yeah, that's sort of what happened. Plus Beth, Beth is highly respected, so she always gets right, 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 right. I said know? they didn't want to toss her out, like they didn't want you know they wanted her to last until the, you know, pretty much the final part. So, Hey, look, AJ Styles got hurt and made the call to eliminate himself. Right. And I'm sure Beth Phoenix could have done that, but I, you know, it's a little cut on her head. No, I don't care. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great that like everybody touched her and they were covered in blood. Like I, I watch wrestling, man. I'm cool with the blood. It's all good. Blood rules, you know, and it it probably wasn't as bad as, you know how blood, you know, listen, when guys, if she had, if she didn't have blonde, long hair and sweat or whatever, it wouldn't be anything, but yeah, you know, the theory you bleed and, the sweat makes it look worse than it is. You wear a white shirt. You wear white trunks. You have blonde hair. Cody dyed his hair before the Dustin match because he knew he was going to fucking play. Right. So it's like, come on. But uh, but yeah, that's the deal with Beth Phoenix. Uh, Zia Lee looked a lot better this year than she looked last year. I don't know how you <laughs> well, it wasn't hard. It's not too hard. So good for Zia Lee. I figured I'd uh, at least give her some credit there. And uh, 
uh, you know, Charlotte wins. I mean, I'm not surprised. I know you're not surprised. Yeah, whatever. I know people are annoyed because she's – but look, as long as Charlotte exists and she's going to get mega pushed, you just have to live with it. You don't have to like it, but you got to live with it. And it just felt like – look, they shoehorned her into Becky's match last year. I don't care who argues with me. They shoehorned her into Becky's match last year, and they shouldn't have. And I know that there's still people who argue with me, and it's a fair debate, but I am firmly on the side that that should have been Becky and, and Ronda. And she's going to win matches like this, especially now where it was, uh, you know, she's she was ripe to be put into a WrestleMania program against one of these champions. Yeah, so, so well, look at this main roster that we're talking about. Who else is, who are you really pushing out of this? Yeah, we roster? talked about last week. Who's winning this match? Right. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone else either is already belted up. Or in the case of Sasha was injured and couldn't work the match, and it's, um, you know, so you can't even really. Who else you gonna make a case for? So uh, you want Tamina to win this thing? You a uh, big Sarah Logan fan? I mean, this isn't. This was not a strong rumble from, you know, a star perspective or a, or a name value or, or you know, NXT really saved it, like you said. And uh, I thought this was way better than last year's women's. Yeah, rumble. I liked it a lot. But it wasn't as good as the one from two years ago. I didn't think that. But, no, um, no, no. I do have – one beef I have is the Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. No <laughs> interaction between those two, despite the fact that they're both going to be in this match. Yeah, pretty stupid. Which, yes. again, like you're building to a big match on Wednesday between these two. They're going to fight at Worlds Collide. They're, they're ripping at one another. Dakota Kai yeah. comes out. She's out. And then I was like, well, all right, I guess Tegan Knox. Because I thought when I saw Dakota Kai, I was like, oh, here we go. It's cool. Because I'm into that. I like that feud. I like that feud a lot. Yeah, Tegan yeah. Knox, Dakota Kai. It's a cool feud. So I was like, oh, that's cool. We're going to have you know some interaction between them. I'm thinking we're getting Tito Santana, you know, classic, you know, uh, you know that sort of stuff. And then, like, yeah, it, it, like Dakota Kai gets tossed out. And then, like, eight minutes later, Tegan Knox comes out. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, like, come on. That's, yeah. that's Rumble Booking 101, man. Like, I mean, you could argue, all right, well, if they're saving the match for a takeover or something, but you're doing it Wednesday. Like, they're wrestling on Wednesday. Right. The best story in the world is, yeah, Dakota Kai tosses out Tegan Knox and they go, oh, and she laughs at her, and oh, my God, well, you know, or, or screws her over, does something or whatever. Well, Tegan's going to get her hands on her Wednesday on, on NXT or whatever, but, you know, yeah. again, I'm trying to get people to watch their TV shows. So I'm sorry for doing that. So. Yeah, they're not interested in getting people to watch their TV show. So you're approaching it all the wrong way. Uh, I thought but, Shayna looked great. I'm all on board with the Shayna push. I think she's awesome. So yeah. hopefully they do that. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, did, did Liv Morgan. That's the one I wanted to talk about. So yes. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my tweets, but I'm, I'm obviously watching in a room full of people or whatever. And uh, the nurse is next to me. Liv Morgan comes out, and I have never seen the nurse more horny for another woman in my life. Yeah, she went. Whoa, who is that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what? Because like Liv Morgan. I mean, like she's a fine looking woman. Like whatever. But like. She, I, she was like sweating and red, and I was like, "Oh, what the hell?" She's like, "My God, look at her! She's hot." And I'm like, "All right, cool." Like, and she couldn't talk. Like, I was so glad that Liv Morgan got out of there in 44 seconds because the nurse couldn't stop talking about Liv Morgan. Rich, you need to immediately take her to a bar and find a five foot two blonde. <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, "All right," and I made the notes. Yeah, and you're on your way to a menage a trois. I know. I need to find another oh, Gianna Dedio or whatever. So. Yeah, you need. Yes, you do, sir. That, w- that won't be uh, too hard to find. I feel like I could find a Liv Morgan esque woman somewhere ah uh, yeah 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 that, too hard yeah. but um you know in her previous incarnation where she was well i don't know what she was she had a green tongue and she dressed like a 16 year old i don't know what that gimmick was but that she was basically every girl in every mall in new jersey which is where she's from so it makes sense but now the, the pleather there's just something about it rich the nurse is on to something <laughs> 
There was nothing wrong with that Liv Morgan look. No, man, I've I've never heard that. She went from girl to woman in one fell swoop, let me tell you. Okay? It is like uh, a drastic improvement. It's not like she was a dog before, but I mean, this is just an incredible transformation, which stopped Twitter in its tracks, by the way. The nurse is not alone. So... Everybody enjoyed. This is uh, this is like uh, the perfect example of uh, of uh, of an upgrade. I mean, this is just uh, you know uh, a tremendous. Well, save me here because I'm going to say something that's going to get. That's fine. Us no, I'm saying like, usually we're not the horny show, but I just had to point out it's that the nurse was show. like, man, she was fucking ready to go that night. <laughs> like, I've never uh, heard. Of, she's never done like because she'll like if if she sees like a woman, she's like, oh, she's cute, or oh, she's really attractive, or she's yeah. you know. This was like visceral. I was like, okay, all right. Like, yeah, yeah, right. a little bit. And I kept trying. I was like, hey, what do you think of Mandy Rose? She's like, oh, she's all right. You know, like the rest of the time, she was like, oh, these other girls are, you no, know, she's fine. Rich, you got to get the, you got to get the, <laughs> but I don't, don't worry. I put a pin in that one. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's got a pin in it because you know her type now. So you got to yeah. zero. Yeah, I never, I never, because she never had a type, but I now I know there is a type. I know the type. Listen, this is what they call on the street a glow up. <laughs> God. That's right. On the streets, they call it that. They do. Um, calling it. On TikTok. Anything else on the Women's Rumble? Or do you uh, want, I guess nothing else. TikTok. No, I'm ready, I'm ready to move on with the oh, Women's Rumble. That was uh, uh, Grapple Users 3.19, which I think is way too low for this match. I think it was a little bit better than that. but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Three and a quarter is where I go, something like that. So I'm not disagreeing with the Grapple Users. Uh, Rich thinks it's a little better. Yeah, I went three and a half, but yeah, not not, not too drastic. Oh, jeez. Same goddamn thing. <laughs> uh, Alright, let's, let's go to the top of the show and work our way up there. Uh, thank God, Seamus Shorty G was a pre-show match. Nobody was at my house. I didn't have to explain Shorty G to anybody. Thank God. Good for you. Good for you. Thank God. Uh, Andrade and his... Uh, his by not- the way, Rich. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. By the way, uh, you'll never guess how the Seamus Shorty G match was structured. <laughs> Well, I'm going to guess that um, Sheamus was tall and Shorty G is short, so they did a bunch of big man moves against the short guy. And he said, come here, fella, little guy. And then he kicked him and then he pinned him and then he won. He uh, he dominated the match, Rich, with uh, Shorty G getting some hope spots. Hmm. But ultimately, Sheamus was just too large for Shorty G. Unbelievable. And he put him away. And uh, you'll also be shocked to know that Shorty G – was the least over person <laughs> on this entire show, including like Rumble entrance. Which I mean, when you push someone, quote unquote, push someone as admitting that they're too small and not good enough, uh, and then they, in fact, ever aren't good enough and always lose all of their matches. Uh, those people tend not to get over. So unbelievable. Uh, to the surprise of no one, I know that um, you know it's crazy because there are people who thought this would work. <laughs> They're idiots and get the guy over. He's, and it's like, he's why more, the this... Cedric Alexander morons. I, I wish we had a list of every single one of them so we could just every week just go. Are you really? How dumb are you, <laughs> Cedric yeah. Alexander? Just the asshole lost on main event this week. Like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. It's Shorty G. You know, it's like, oh well, he has a character now. <laughs> Yeah, but if it's bad, right? You know what I mean. Like if it's bad, and the essence of the character is, I'm like, inadequate. Yeah, then you're inadequate, and you lose. <laughs> but he's losing to stars, Joe. <laughs> right, and like you tell us that you're inadequate, and you always lose. And you're proud of being inadequate. 
Like, there's a way to always lose and get over. Right. Tomoaki Hanma. Yeah, thinking you're going to win every single time. Tomoaki Hanma got in that ring every single night and said, I'm going to hit this fucking Kokeshi, and I'm going to pin this asshole, and I'm going to win. Or Darby Allen or something. But, yeah. but this is a different kind of thing. This is, I dress like a small child. I don't know. Let's just move. We, let's move we can't. We could do this every week if we wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it's we, we really shouldn't. So Andrade defeated Humberto uh, Carrillo. We had uh, for the U.S. title. We also had the fake Andrade uh, hog uh, thing <laughs> that happened this weekend as well. Where everybody thought Somebody that Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Effort. You should probably explain this because you probably have a better job than than me. So someone went through the effort of faking Charlotte accidentally posting a picture on a social media site with her camera roll visible. You know, the gimmick with the right, camera roll, right, right. the iPhone on the bottom. And one of the pictures on the camera roll being Andrade's hog. Someone went through the effort to fake that. <laughs> of a dick in a guy's hand over a bed. So I saw the hog. It wasn't a bad hog. It was a nice girthy. It wasn't bad, yeah. It, I, I was like, oh, all right. Well, hey, good, he, good he to you, Andrade. Bad. Yeah, that's. Yeah, especially for a half chub. It really wasn't that, you know, it was girthy. It looked like it had some weight to it in the hand. You it know? did look very heavy. Yeah, that felt like a, yeah, heavy, it like a girthy, like heavy hog. Yeah, I feel like you'd have a, a, yeah, some hip problems with that one. <laughs> it was... It's a heavy hog, yeah. It looked like it had some weight to it, and it looked like a decent hog. It looked like, you know, uh, with with full power, you know, that, you know, with a Rhino XL working with it, it could have been a very <laughs> impressive big kangaroo in there. <laughs> big kangaroo in the mix, you know. But um, it turns out that this was all a hoax. Why would you. The effort required to fake something like that, put it in a camera roll. Now, the camera roll hoax is a good move because it's like that's more believable than just faking a picture or something, you know, because it's like you could see someone making that mistake with their camera roll very easily, you know. But it came out that it was a hoax. So, Rich, we're just talking about some random guy's dick. <laughs> right. All of us just yeah. all of us just went and researched some random guy's dick. And, and So whoever's cock that was, I mean, you've got a nice, weighty-looking, girthy hog. Yeah, so he, that guy should come forward because, yeah, I think there's a lot of wrestling fans that are uh, very appreciative yeah, of, I mean, his, uh, of, his, of his hog. So. Yeah, yeah. very Definitely not a hog that you shouldn't be ashamed of, for sure. Um, so uh, the Carrillo match, though, man, did they slow this down. I mean, I know you didn't watch because it's the pre-show, but uh, but Andrade got popped for a wellness violation anyway. Uh, they did an injury angle the next day on Raw with the DDT on the concrete, which I thought was a good angle. It gave Carrillo an edge for once. The guy has never had an edge. He's too busy smiling and fucking with his dumb dimples. Give the guy an edge, and they did with that DDT as Zelina Vega's begging him not to DDT Andrade. She did a great job in the angle too, putting it over as something dangerous. And it felt different when he delivered it. So Andrade gone for 30 days. They didn't take the title off him. And presumably he'll continue his feud there. But let's talk about the Rumble matches, Rich. Walk us through them. All right. So we had the opener, which I believe is still going on. Roman Reigns defeating King Corbin in a false count. Oh, match. my God. Somehow it only went 21 minutes. I really Lies. doubt that only went 21 minutes. I That Lies. felt excruciatingly long live. And then a second match broke out within the match, like with Dolph Ziggler and the Usos. And what the fuck was this? They're just walking around the building. It was a Jeff Jarrett special. Uh, the thing with the porta potty, and then they don't even get any shit involved. Why do you do a porta potty spot? Oh my god! Yeah, the whole room. We were we were like, I was like, oh man, King Corbin's gonna come out. And he's gonna be filled with fake shit, and Vince is just gonna be chuckling in his ass. Then King Corbin just walks out, and he's perfectly fine. Like you've never heard so much disappointment in a room because we were all like, well, at least he's gonna be covered in fake shit, so that'll be fun. He just rolls out, and he's fine. He wasn't even wet. No, like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, 
You know, so not like I care about the porta potty spot. I no, but if you're gonna do the goddamn porta potty, do the fucking porta potty spot. Yeah. spot. Yeah, I don't know. So then he takes a spear on the uh, on the Houston Astros first baseline dugout. Uh, and that is the Astros dugout, by the way. I'm shocked on this show they didn't do anything with like a garbage can or somebody cheating. Like, how can you not do that? In yeah, fucking- they might just probably don't know. I mean, most of these people are insulated weirdos. They don't know anything about. Good point. Sports, so that's <laughs> unlikely that you gotta go into the dugout and rip a TV monitor off. The I know, wall. I know. That's what I done, odd, right? yeah. You know, and then Roman attacks him with the TV monitor, and you have like someone banging on a fucking I don't know. I anyway, um, could just be us. Yeah, this uh, fucking stunk. Anyway, the, 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 like how many like we talk about it? You know, with the uh, the match, the Joe Coffee Walter match, which had like five different acts or whatever. This yeah. match, like. Roman Reigns is going through 15 tables and, and, and that's like 10 minutes into the match. There's more 10 minutes more left to go. It's like there was the porta potty spot. There was the match inside the match. There was the table spots. There was the fighting on top of the dugout. Then finally, mercifully, it's fucking over. And it's just like, God, what'd you get out of this? Like, what are we doing? Why is it so long? I agree. So I went, I went one in uh, one and three quarters with this thing. I thought it fucking stunk. So I don't even know. I think I gave it two stars or something. That's fair. Even. Yeah, Grapple uses two point one seven for uh, Roman Reigns yeah. and King Corbin. So uh, we talked about the women's rumble. Uh, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. John, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we got a pizza delivered at this exact time, and I <laughs> ate the pizza instead of watching this match. So I uh, I don't remember much about this match. I got to be honest. Um. Yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, I did. I did have to explain to a room full of people that the uh, the, the woman who supports the troops and cooks dinners and all that sort of stuff is uh, is presented as the good person in 2020, and they uh, the women in the room were very confused by that as well. So it's not just us. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get political. Exactly. Just- no, I know, I know. But they, they were all kind of like, "Oh, that's kind of a weird one to push." Is like because that's they're like, ah, "Is that really what people want?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know, man." But yeah, it's it's it is what it is. So I didn't watch the match, so I don't know anything about this match. So I heard it wasn't any good though. <laughs> so. I don't uh I don't remember much about it. It appears as though oh, I'm on <laughs> I remember now. I didn't watch this match either. Um, <laughs> so, I uh I was cooking during this match and I didn't even rate it on grapple. So, there you go. Yeah, uh, I have no rating either. Uh, one point seven five. We didn't miss much apparently. Um but that's why I couldn't remember anything about it. I'm looking at grapple now because I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't watch either. That's why you listen to this podcast for listen to us review matches that we didn't even watch. So uh, what, what what's next? Uh, next is uh, the Fiend defeating Daniel Bryan in a strap match. Seventeen minutes thirty five seconds. The Fiend uh, retains his uh, Universal Championship. I listen. I didn't think this was that bad. Hmm. Um, there's a lot. See, you hated it, so this is good. There's a lot of people like you who hated it. There's a lot of people who fucking loved it. I'm not with them, but I'm more. I'm closer to those people because I thought Daniel Bryan was excellent in the match. I thought, uh, you know, them whipping each other with the strap uh, looked nasty. I thought that the spot where Daniel Bryan reversed into the uh, uh, whatever he calls the fucking uh, crossface. What is he? The yes lock? Yeah, the yes uh, lock or the cattle mutilation or whatever, yeah. Or no, the yes lock. The yes lock. The yes lock is the one. He's Definitely not the cattle mutilation. No, that, you, uh, you were talking yeah. about the yes lock. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the yes lock. Yeah, the or he called it something else too in the past. Uh, whatever. Everybody knows what we're talking about. Uh, was a great spot. But then I thought I was ready to praise the match, but then the finish was stupid. I mean, Bray just – the Fiend, I'm sorry, the Fiend uh, just turns into a monster again and just randomly decides to no-sell everything and just stand up. And they tried to get that clever camera shot of it, and it was all just so goofy. And then he just put Daniel Bryan away with, like, relative ease, and that kind of took the wind out of my sails 
But on the whole, I thought it was a pretty good match and easily the best thing that they that the fiend has ever done since the character change. But uh the floor is yours to bury it, sir. Yeah, okay, so I, I, I agree that Daniel Bryan was awesome in this match, but I thought the fiend was fucking terrible, as usual. He's the worst part about him is I I know in his heart of hearts he thinks he's doing like great shit that like he's out there just working this crowd and 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 oh my god they're in the palm of his hand and nobody's nobody gives a shit after the twentieth time he slaps the guy with the strap nobody gives a fuck anymore Dana Bryan's sitting there writhing in pain his back's all fucking red and stuff and the fiends just sitting there laughing and yeah it's just like it's just way too long like I think this could have been ten minutes and 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 achieved the same thing. It, you know, pushing up against 20 minutes was way too long for this thing. It was boring as hell. The crowd really didn't give a shit. And and like you said, the, the ending started getting pretty hot, and people were kind of into it when Brian started firing up or whatever. And the Fiend just puts him in a mandible claw choke slam and pins him, and it's like over. And then the worse yet, they do like the you know Dan O'Brien getting carted, you know, basically wheeled out of the ring or whatever. And like they assume that the crowd's going to get on their feet and go, yeah, nice effort. But like 10 people in this fucking giant baseball stadium platform, and it was just like so pathetic. It's just yeah, this this I, I, like I thought Brian was good because he worked his ass off in this match but but i still thought it was boring as hell and and i still think the fiend absolutely fucking stinks so was this the best thing the fiend's done probably but i still think it was terrible so it's just boring i just bored out of my mind as it was going on and then we had becky lynch and asuka uh with carrie sane uh in asuka's corner and becky overcomes the kabuki warriors and their dastardly attempts to miss her in the face and retains the title. It's fine. I think I went like three and a quarter. Oh, what did uh, uh, grapple? What grapple go on the? So feet? grapple went three point oh nine for this one. Okay. Um, how about Becky Lynch and Asuka? I think I'd go like three and a quarter on that one. That's yeah. That's exactly where I'm at. I, I, I thought it was really good, but I didn't think it was like any like it, I couldn't go four more than four stars on it. Like I thought it was really good back and forth, and it told it a, a very good story as well. It's like one of these matches that we always talk about where it's like hard to star rate. Like I think I was perfectly fine with all the work that was done in it. And I'm perfectly fine with the ending, and I'm perfectly fine with how they did all of it. It just ultimately wasn't a match that I was like super into or super interested in. It was just kind of at this point I was like, all right, let's get let's you know let's see this next Rumble match or whatever, and it felt like it was just kind of the last step to get to the, the men's Rumble or whatever. I think good work by them, and and I think it was a good story to have Becky you know defeat the Kabuki Warriors and 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 avenge the Mistings and prove to herself that she can actually do it or whatever. But ultimately, it wasn't like super super exciting. So yeah, I'm I'm right about three three and a quarter with you. So all right, so that's Royal Rumble, which I think on the strength of the two Rumble matches. I would say was a good show. Yeah, given given their track record of pay-per-views this year. No, this is a good show for sure. Yeah, so uh, the day before was Worlds Collide. Did we ever get an attendance on Worlds Collide? Uh, I didn't see one. Let me. I, I'll try to see if I can I dig in a little bit, but I have not seen anything public, so maybe we might have to wait for the Observer this Maybe week the, Observer, too, uh, the Observer's out. I think the Observer's out. Maybe uh, let me take a look here. Worlds Collide. But uh, this review as well will be brought to you by our friends at Grapple as we go through the Worlds Collide, which I think, as we said, would be a uh, show that ultimately would end up being pretty damn good. And I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. Like, was there anything, like, I don't think anything blew me away. I don't think anything was like, oh, my God, you have to go out of your way to watch this. But as far as, like, a, a show just to kind of put on and watch for, you know, two hours or so, I thought it was really, really good. Like, every match delivered to some level. And I don't think anything was really bad. I mean, I'll talk about my least favorite match the entire night, and you might agree. Uh, as well, but I thought, yeah, everything from from 
beginning to end was 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 solid enough. I mean, it started with Finn Balor uh, and Dragunov, and I, I thought that was really good. I went three and a half with that match. Uh, really good back and forth between the two guys, and and Finn seems pretty comfortable in NXT these days, and it's it's nice to see him kind of feeling himself a little bit again. And and we know that you know deep down there is you know something good there in Finn Balor, and we're starting to see it a little bit more in NXT. And I, I thought Dragunov was good in this match too. And it didn't overstay its welcome. Fourteen minutes, they got in and out. Finn Balor got the one, and and yeah, I, I liked it. 3,500 in the Toyota Center. That's abysmal. <laughs> That's abysmal. That's not good. And oh. I don't know how many days. It's a nice round number, Rich. Oh, so. I, we knew it, though. I mean, like, why would you buy a ticket to go see this match, uh, this show? Like, If I lived across the street, I would have went to this show because I, I knew it would be a good show. But we're but, us. Like, how would how would Joe Q, NX, uh, Joe Q Public? Yeah, like, he's not Yeah, going. we talked about it last week. Yeah, there's just, you know, but... uh I thought it was a. I had four out of five notebook matches on this show, so I really liked this show. I went four stars on Finn Balor, Ilya Dragunov, and I think the one thing holding it back because I thought the work was excellent from both guys, and I think you noted something that I would. I'm gonna uh, back up. Finn Balor, I am really enjoying his work since he moved down to NXT. There's just a different kind of uh, viciousness to it, maybe is the word, yeah. or intensity. There's like a slow, quiet intensity to his work in all the right ways. And um, yeah, I think he's really he, fe- he seems motivated, and I really like what he's doing much more than when you know the end of his run on the main roster where he was just you know sort of this baby face, this uh, the, with the ridiculous nickname, the phenomenal man who does extraordinary whatever the fuck, and with his stupid leather jacket and fucking, I, he just seems I'm I'm enjoying him much more now than I was post shoulder injury on the main roster, um, and. The, the thing that held us back was no one fucking knew who Ilya Dragunov was, which speaks to our previous point. Why would you? Okay. Why would anyone in that building know him or give a crap who we, we talked last week? There was no real build to this other than these two guys are going to wrestle, one of which you've never heard of. So, uh, you know, I thought that held it back, but I thought the work was really strong. And uh, I went four stars flat on this. Grapple more along the lines of a crate. Uh, they went three and a quarter. Uh, as we record this. So uh, moving on, we had DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Uh, I will go first on this one. Uh, the first half of this match to me was disappointing because they were too busy whooping it up and doing shtick. And I really thought that these two teams were just going to go in there and kill it. And then the second half of the match, they went out there and they killed it. But the first half of the match dragged it down for me. By all rights, if this had a strong first half, which set up the second half, we'd be talking about you know, uh, one of the better tag team matches that I've seen in some time. Yeah. But I had to dock it for the first half of the match. Uh, I went four flat on this, which for considering who was involved is a slight disappointment. But the second half of the match was too good for me to deny. What did you think of this? I was exactly the same as you. Four stars flat. And, and the big reason why is exactly like you said. And, and it just didn't feel – the first half of the match just didn't I, – I, I just wasn't feeling it. There was just too much, yeah, goofiness like you said. And, and ultimately, like the, the other problem I had with this entire match is I think that these guys realize, and, and, and it's exactly how it was, there wasn't a story. Like there was nothing to buy into. There was nothing to really sink your teeth into. It's just like, all right, here's two good teams. They're going to have a good wrestling match. And then when the first half is not that, when the first half is them kind of, as you said, being a little goofy and doing this sort of stuff, it was like, all right, look, there's no big story. 
hook into this match. There's no real reason these teams are fighting each other. So let's at least like get that. And and we got that for the last half of the match, but it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to say that when, you know, 10 minutes of this 20 minute match or whatever was just kind of mundane or they're just kind of going through the motions, not doing anything, which, which sucks because the last 10 were awesome. Like once they got going and basically said, all right, let's go to just have a good match. Like, let's just fucking go out there and throw bombs at one another. It was great. It was fantastic. The last you know half of the match, but yeah, the first half was just too dull and too kind of just hanging around there, uh, which sucks. Cause yeah, I, I had this pegged as like surefire match of the weekend, a match that would really stand out, match of the year contender type stuff, and it didn't reach those levels whatsoever, but still a very, very good match, a very entertaining match, but yeah, no, nothing to like that level where you're going to think about it at the end of the year or anything, so. The, the action was way too good to deny. Right, right, right. So, uh, Grapple went 4.05, so right in line with us as we had the four-way for the Cruiserweight title. Why did we never consider that Devlin could win this? I mean, I feel stupid in hindsight. I guess I don't. I peg him as being bigger than this title but i guess he's not and that's that's probably me that's probably me by like me knowing what he's capable of and me knowing what he's done in other companies to me was like oh he can't win this match he's bigger than that title but they don't they don't think think of him as that way so no but this is a positive step for him because it'll get him on nxt proper right i guess yeah so i i i think it's good career progression honestly um in fact i think this is a bigger deal than winning the nxt uk title because yeah, that might get you on a takeover, but this gets you on TV. It could get you on TV every week because he's the cruiserweight champion. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I feel dumb for not considering that he could have won, but it seemed like Garza was in for a bigger push. But um, maybe that's why we weren't thinking about it. And plus, we were just confused by all of a sudden it was a four way. But man, did I love this. I mean, the action here was so great. And I thought um, Isaiah Scott was great in this match. And, and and Garza has so much charisma, and I was happy to see Devlin win, and I was surprised that Devlin won. And, you know, for a go, 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 four-way, cruiserweight style of match, this was I, – I sat here on my couch, and I fucking loved – I went four and a quarter on this. I mean, I you know, I, I finished watching this, and I was like, you give me a match like that on every major show, and I'm a happy man. You know, so, uh, you know, I love the hell out of it. I think I might be the high man. What do you think of this match? Uh, I was four uh, flat on this. I, I I didn't like it as much as you did, but I still thought it was was pretty awesome. And, yeah, like, I'm totally cool with this Cruiserweight Championship being this, like, every single, you know, month or whatever. If they're never going to yeah. really give it, like, a, a, a enough care and enough time, and maybe they will with Devlin, but, you know, what we think of Devlin is a little bit different than what they think of Devlin or what he's capable of. But regardless, like, yeah, if it's just every single month there's four guys that just go out there and bust their ass for ten minutes or whatever, I'm, I'm fine with that. So, yeah, like, again, a match that doesn't overstay its welcome, in and out in 12 minutes with a ton of action. Everybody got their their big spot. Everybody got their 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 you know felt like they were important to the match. I mean, even Travis Banks, who felt like really the the fourth guy in this match, he got his you know shine a little bit as well. You know, Swerve obviously got got his stuff. Garza is is, is super over, and yeah, Devlin winning was really cool. So yeah, I, I I love this, and it was it was cool to see the crowd really invested in this match as well. A lot of ways too, because yeah, it's like they just wanted to see guys do cool shit, and that's what they did for 10 minutes. So grapple 3.77. Rhea Ripley successfully defends the NXT women. Well, I'm sorry. NXT championship. championship. No more women's in there. Um, That's not confusing at all. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeats Tony Storm in what I thought was the least interesting match these two have ever had. Um, I didn't care for this at all. I thought it was boring. Um, It had no juice, and it was just a match. I can't say it was bad, but it was pretty much an average bout. I think I went two and a half. 
Um, what you think of Rhea Ripley defeating Tony Storm? Yeah, I went, I went too flat. I thought it was no good. I just thought really boring. You know, ten minutes of like the whole ten minutes is waiting like for WWE style match here, where where you're like, all right, well, Tony's gonna you know start firing up here a little bit, have you know five minutes of hope, and then Rhea Ripley's gonna dash her hopes with a big finisher. And it was like ten minutes of of Rhea working on Tony, Tony doing a move, and then Rhea just putting the riptide down or, or, or hitting the riptide, and then it's over. And it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, like that's it. You know, and then like you know. Tony Storm misses the frog splash, and you're thinking that's just a transition, and then Ripley's just like, no, that's it. I'm just going to fucking beat you now. And I was like, yeah. oh, all right. It was just like it never got going. It never kicked into that next gear, and you're, you you kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it was just over. And it just had no interest, and, and the fans didn't give a shit. I didn't really give a shit, and that sucks because these are two super talented women. Like, they're they're really talented. Like, I love Rhea Ripley. I think she's awesome. I think Tony's really great as well, but I don't know what happened on this night, but this was this was not not their best effort, not anyone's best effort. I, I hated this match. And it had a good build. Yeah, so, oh, it was very, great. Yeah, it was my most anticipated match of this entire show because I was like, I'm into this build. I like this build, and it was just nothing. Grapple 2.55. As we move on to the main event, Imperium taking on Undisputed Era. Alexander Wolf gets his fucking bell rung. He got knocked out, taking God. a kick to the dome from Bobby Fish. Uh, Wolf tweeted later that night, let everybody know he was okay, and he even took blame. He said he shouldn't have had his head down. Uh, I guess that kick was designed to hit the upper chest. Ended up catching him in the, uh, I guess, uh, kind of like an MMA knockout. I think it caught him on the jaw. You know, you got hit. You if you get hit in that point in the jaw, uh, you know that's a, a well known in fighting game for that. You know, where the jaw meets the skull and you can knock a guy out. I think that's what happened here. But anyway, he got taken out of the match. In a weird way, I think it helped the match. You know, because it's like Imperium were positioned as the baby faces, even though. Come on, you're not going to get these crowds to root against Adam Cole. <laughs> they tried, though. <laughs> they um, they le- did. Why do you try? Just lean into it. Don't just be the error faces, man. Like Heels, I, you know, and, yeah. and, and um, you know, so it kind of worked, and it kind of allowed Walter to work in a position where he was outnumbered, and I thought Walter looked good. Rich, I thought this was fucking great. Uh, I love this match. Constant action. Everybody in the match was uh, is a very good worker or better, and uh, – and I thought the wolf injury where, okay, it was an awkward moment briefly, but I think it ended up helping the psychology of the match. I went four and a half on this. I thought this was just below match of the year level. I can't call it match of the year level, but I don't think it was that far off. Uh, the work was great. Undisputed era. They work like a pack of rabbit dogs. Yeah. I oh love God. They, they, they like stables and wrestling these days. Like a lot of times it's just like guys are just, you know, together and it's just, they're just a group or whatever. These guys just feel like they're in lockstep and they work like they're in lockstep too. This is like an old school. Cause like Imperium, like they're all together, but it's just kind of like, do you know who they remind me of? This is going to be the weirdest comparison. A pushed version of Kai and Tai. Yeah, yeah, that's good. No, no, yeah. If people watch Kaintai, anytime they ran in, all four guys w- would just w- run w- in and just yeah. just smack the bat. Like they would run in and all just attack a guy at the same time and I'll kick him on the ground and stuff like that. That's you not know what it is? Yeah, they're just like they're ravenous, like you said. They're they're wolves. They're like rabid dogs. They're like there's four of them and it feels like there's twelve of them. Every time you turn around, remember Kaintai. Every time you turn around, Dick Togo's flying at you. Fucking men's tails flying at you. Taka. You know, it, it, these guys too. It's like every time you turn around and they're, they're all the same size. They all look the same. Like Kyle O'Reilly, like fucking Nisha in the face. You turn around and Bobby Fish is throwing a roundhouse. You turn around and, and Roderick Strong is running in with a forearm. It's constant action. They're all over you. And then you have Imperium and it's like perfect dichotomy for because Imperium, they're all like bigger guys. Right, and there's only three of them because the the one guy got knocked out. See, so they're just attacking these guys from all angles. Walter's like swatting them off like they're flies. 
you know, and trying to – I don't know. This just worked for me, you know, and I, and I like the presentation of Walter for once in a big spot because, you know, they've been spotty with that as we talked about last week. Ackner and Bartell, look, they're never headline in WrestleMania. But holy shit, are those guys solid as fuck? Yeah, I agree. You know, those are guys you want on your roster. They're, they're you know, the solid workhorse guys on your roster that you just want to have. Those guys fucking rule. Okay, so all of this worked for me. I'm excited talking about it. You can hear it in my voice, like I'm I'm scooting up in my seat because like I'm remembering spots from the match. Man, this is my kind of pro wrestling. Just go out there for 20 minutes and kick the shit out of each other and know who you are as a performer. Undisputed Era working like a pack of dogs and Walter working like a big guy and Ackner and Bartell just being the glue of the match. Man, you know, that's why I went so high on it. What'd you think of it? No, I, I went I went four and a quarter, so maybe not as high as you because I thought it did go a little too long for me, which is a problem with all these NXT main events is they just oh, they yeah. think oh, that they have to go 30 minutes and it's like you don't always have to go 30 minutes. But no, I thought like in a in a in a horrible way. I hate to say that, but like, yeah, the wolf injury really did help the match a lot. Like, not that wolf wasn't going to play a good role, but like you said, it played out perfectly because Imperium actually did become the babyfaces then because these three guys fighting off the four pack of wolves or whatever, and then they do it, which I thought was even more surprising as well. I was like, oh man, undisputed era is going to win, and it's going to make them, you know, because they beat you know four on three. Okay, yeah, no big, you know, big deal. But like, yeah, Imperium winning, and this crowd like. This crowd was going nuts for them. Like, hell yeah, the guy, they won. You know, despite going down one man because one of their guys got knocked the fuck out, they still won. They still prevailed or whatever. But yeah, this match, like, w- the cool thing about this is despite, you know, what, however long it went, it just built and it built and it built and it built. And by the time, like, the last five minutes, the thing's at, like, a fever pitch and the crowd's going nuts and the guys are working like crazy. So, no, I thought this was fantastic. I think there's a lot of people that did not watch this match because I did not hear a lot of buzz about it. But go and watch this match. I mean, this was really, really good stuff. Yeah. And you think about, too, Wolf got knocked out very early in the match. Oh, I was surprised. Like, I heard that he got knocked out because I watched this a little bit. I I watched it on Monday. uh, And I thought, like, oh, man, they probably did, like, half the match. Then he got out. Like, he was done five minutes in. And I'm like, man, like, I spent the rest of the match just just marveling at – the everybody in this ring being able to to completely just put together a match where you're missing a guy who who and we know how NXT guys put together matches we know how that company operates and a lot of it is you know very pre-planned very sort of coordinated and for, very like and the idea that like we're just going to lose one guy completely and and basically wrestle this match like that's that's a marvel like i that's the stuff about wrestling that i love too is like the guys that don't speak the same language, guy that gets hurt, or guy that you know they need to adjust, or they're adjusting for the crowd or whatever. Like the idea that like one dude is just gone from this match and will not come back, and the idea of of, of working a match and having it still work and and still feel great despite the fact that one guy's missing. I love that shit. It, it it actually increased the match for me in all those ways because it was like they they made it seamless and 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 just yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's who knows what was planned that they couldn't do because you know what spots had to get thrown out the window. But, I mean, you know, these are seven veteran guys who know what they're doing. Yeah, well, that's why I love pro wrestling. It's not like they have a, a five minutes to go, okay, hold on, <laughs> like where the referee goes, all right, the match is going to get stopped, and they all guys huddle together and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like, they just, while they're all doing this, all have to decide, okay, hey, by the way, we're going to do this with Wolf, fuck that. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. Like, that's what I love about pro wrestling, man. That's why I say it's so difficult at times. You think Roderick Strong and Walter and Axel Dieter Jr. and Bobby Fish need to have shit planned out to have a good match i mean come no, on no not at so, all no and that's why i think it, it was awesome too that they had to they, they could throw some of that stuff out of the way and just do yep. whatever the fuck they you know work the match like they're working a match yeah which is great i love that yeah so uh you know uh credit to them too for that but this is what we thought i mean we thought this would be a really good show with zero hype and it was a really good show that basically has zero hype i mean no one talked about it no one was tweeting about it 
Um, no one, it, it's got no buzz in the air, even though it was a really strong show and, 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 and you know, the, the following. It, it just, it existed. It did bad attendance. Uh, I think they'll learn from this. I mean, I think maybe this might have been a reality check for them that NXT UK just has no footprint whatsoever in the United States. You know, and maybe selling out all of those UK takeovers and selling out all their TV tapings gave them a false sense of what the brand is. Right. So we're running a little short on time and we got two more shows to get through. Let's talk about NWA Hard Times. And I got that Billy Corrigan Hard Times song. In <laughs> I know. I did too. It took me days. To, I know. It took me days to lose that song. And, and like, because I'm watching the entrance video because it's pretty well done. And yeah, it's just like he hits that, that chorus. It just goes and goes and goes. And yeah, I, was, I had hard times stuck in my head all weekend. So. This review also is brought to you by our friends at Grapple. If you did not know, the NWA is now one of the many promotions that you can rate on Grapple. Rich, quickly, because we do got to get through two more shows in about yeah, yeah. 25 minutes. Did you want to quickly talk about how hard it is to rate NWA matches? Yeah, absolutely. Because because you know I, I'm I watch the show on Friday as, as it happened. I watch mo- I watch probably half the show on Friday. Then I went back Saturday morning and watched the rest of it. Um, as it was happening, I, I had my grapple app open like I always do when I'm watching the show, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And then you know Trevor Murdoch defeats the question mark in three minutes, and I'm like, oh, so, yeah, good, good, good match. And I'm like I'm thinking, I'm like, I know I'll go back to that one. I'll go back to that one. You know, Dan Math defeats Zicky Dice in two minutes. I'm like, that that was awesome. Okay, um, like Ricky starts defeats Matt Cross in three minutes, and these are all good matches. They're all three minutes long and two minutes long, and they're exactly what they need to be. They the guy wins. The guy is definitively moving on in this title tournament. They tell you the story about this guy. They tell you the background, and that guy wins, and you go, okay, cool. Trevor Murdoch's moving on. Damn F is moving on. Ricky Starks is moving on. You know, the and, and that's this is the huge issue with with why and we talked about it weeks ago when we were talking about NWA as well. In one breath, it's like I don't think the wrestling is very good on these NWA shows. It's not like tremendous pro wrestling, but God, I love watching it because it's just like cool. Two minutes in and out. I know the story. I know who who's the winner. I know who the loser is, and I know they're moving on or whatever. Or the, what their their progression is going to be. You know, Ricky Starks he beats Matt Cross in three minutes. I didn't care that these two guys that I think could have a tremendous match with each other only had a three minute match because I'm like cool. Ricky Starks is moving on in the tournament. Like so, like when I was left, like I at the end. I didn't rate any of the TV title stuff. I rated Thunder Rosa and Allison K, which we'll talk about. I rated the tag team title match. I rated you know and you know the the promotional match for the uh, the world yeah. title. I rated Steiner and Stevens, but I didn't rate anything from the television tournament and not even the final. Like when the final was over too, it was like hard to even rate. Like it's this weird thing that they do where where it just exists in a different pro wrestling universe than this, all this other stuff. I have no problem rating other matches. I had so much of an issue rating a three minute. Ricky Starks Matt Cross match because it was like tremendous match. It did exactly what it needed to do, but like I can't in good conscience give that match four stars. I can't give that match three and a half stars or whatever. So like I don't know what to do with those matches. I don't know how to rate them. Studio wrestling and squash matches are two things that just do not fit into the rating scale. And it's why I struggle with star ratings and go back and forth on them. And it just doesn't, you know, see, I'll disagree slightly. I thought the wrestling on the show was very good. It's not that, but, but, in a universe like the NWA's where a four minute match is a is a a long match to be honest, um, it doesn't fit the rating the same rating scale as say a WWE or New Japan. It's just a, it doesn't work, so it's hard um, unless they have the longer matches like you talked about. So it's like you, you mentioned Trevor Murdoch question mark. Let's start there. Perfect match that accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. Very similar in to like what a squash match would do. But like you said, it's, it's, it's hard to rate. 
you know, but it wasn't a bad match and the wrestling wasn't bad. In fact, Dan Moff and Zicky Dice, I thought was a well-worked that match. That was great, man. Oh my God, I love them. And that's the, that's the match where I really was just like, you know what? I'm not going to rate any of these because I love that match. I thought it was fantastic. I thought Dan Maff worked his ass off. I thought they told the story and I was re- I was like, hell, let's, let's go, Dan Maff. Like, let's win this tournament, baby. Like, let's do it. And and like, again, it was like two minutes and I was like, how do, I don't, how do you rate that match? How do you Here's love a match? And, and yeah, you just move on. This will help your point. Trevor Murdoch, question mark, grapple users, 2.1. Dan Moff versus Zicky Dice, grapple users, 2.18. Now, you look at that, and you think, wow, that Dan Moff-Zicky Dice match just wasn't very good. It, you know, it's below two and a half. It's two, but it was. But I think people struggle. It's like you can't, you know, how can you in good conscience go, oh, that was a three and a half star match when you're giving, it's the, it's the rating scale doesn't just, the scale the way that most people use it doesn't work for these kinds of matches. Right. I think that's all there is to it. Matt Cross, Ricky Starks. My God, I thought that was well worked. Ricky Starks was everywhere he needed to be on Matt Cross's flying stuff. Matt Cross looked great. Uh, it had a clean, definitive finish with the right guy winning. And uh, Grapple Users went a little higher on that one. They went 2.76. I went three stars flat on that. I thought it had good action. But again, very hard to rate. And then we get into some of the stuff which does sort of fit better into the traditional match rating mold. The three-way for the tag team titles. Finally, the Rock and Roll Express dropped the titles. Your new tag team champions are James Storm and Eli Drake. I thought this was a a pretty good match. I mean, I'm not over the moon about it. I went three flat on this too. Um, You know, Ricky Morton took the pin, which uh, didn't surprise me and I thought was the right call. I think you want the champions to lose if they're going to lose the titles, but do you have a lot to add about this? Not really. Yeah, I, I wasn't in love with it. I, I, I went two and three quarters with it. Yeah, I wasn't in love with it. I thought the triple threat aspect of it kind of hurt a little bit, but I, I was I was happy with the results, and I'm glad the Rock and Roll lost the titles finally, and, and they can hopefully move on a little bit. But, the, you know, they're super over, and the fans love them or whatnot, but I think there's a better way to use those tag team titles moving forward. Yeah, it, it's time for them to move on. So It was time. I, like, the way they went about it, like, I, I think you, I, I guess you didn't want Drake and Storm to just straight up beat the Rock and Roll Express, so you knew the wild cards to be in they're involved, but then they pinned them anyway. So it was like, all right, well, then now I don't know why the wild cards are in this match. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, it was time, and I, I think the Rock and Roll Express have a place on this show, and I like their presence uh, on the show. But um, it was the right move. Allison K loses the NWA World Women's Title to Thunder Rosa. Um, best women's match of the entire weekend. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. I agree. I wasn't sure what you thought of this match because, listen, there were sloppy parts to this match. There's no question. You know, and Thunder Rosa is a great pro wrestler, and Allison Kay is a nice lady. <laughs> Allison Kay is so was also there, in this match, yes. So there was some sloppy stuff here, and Kay had trouble keeping up at times. But the total package between the crowd and the drama and the excitement and the stuff that did work – I might be overrating it. I don't give a fuck. I went notebook. Yeah, there you go. I went four stars on this. Exactly where I went, too. Yeah, absolutely. Any match that starts out with the two people ripping at each other from the bell is always good. That's like you start out like that and I'm in. You know what I mean? And 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 the build to this worked for that. And they worked the rest of the match that way. It it was a vicious, hard-hitting, good back and forth. Like there was was really – the, the amount of downtime that happened, this match went 18 minutes. It did not feel like 18 minutes to me whatsoever. It felt 
like it blew by. And yeah, really good. Yeah, I, I thought Thunder Rosa was was incredible in this match. I mean, this was one of her the standout performance for her. And and like you said, Allison Kay, you know, there was some points that didn't quite work out, but I thought she stayed in as good as she could uh, with Rosa at, at times. But yeah, I think the right choice of of Rosa winning the title. And yeah, this is a tremendous match. I mean, if 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 don't. Don't sleep on this. I mean, if, if there's one match you have to watch from the show, I would definitely say this is the one to watch. I mean, really, really want to go out of your way and check out for sure. Quickly, we don't have a ton of time. Best match in modern NWA, Billy Corgan, Dave Lagana history. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. The contenders would be Tim Storm, Josephus, Empty Arena at the uh, Impact Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Storm, Nick Aldis to kick off power week one. Uh, Tim Storm, uh, I'm sorry, Nick Aldis versus Cody, 70th anniversary. Nick Aldis versus Skrull, Crockett Cup. I'm not going to count Nick Aldis, Cody from All In. I believe that's not a that's a that's well. Right. You if, count if, we, if you counted that, then that's the that's, pick. That's going to be your winner. But right. it wasn't an NWA show. I I don't know. Not the day to debate it because we don't have the time. Right. I, I, if if those the ones that you mentioned, no, this one is this one as like a pure wrestling match because all those matches had like some stuff that I really enjoyed about them. But this was yeah. just too. Too, you know, I, I just thought it was no. It was it was overall just a better wrestling match than I think a lot of those. Um, so yeah. no, I, I I would definitely choose this one for sure. And the other one I throw in is Aldis Starks from TV a few weeks ago. That was tremendous think, too. Yeah, I think those are the five or six along with this one that I would say those. That's the best stuff since this reboot. Uh, Dan Moff, Trevor Murdoch. I don't have a ton to say about it. Murdoch moved on in the tournament. It was another one of the short television title matches, which was perfectly well worked. Had no issue with it. Um, and then we had uh, Ricky Starks versus Tim Storm because Tim Storm received the bye because Ken Anderson was not quote-unquote medically cleared. That's something that I'm working on. Look for maybe an update behind the paywall on that. Um, so Starks defeats Storm, and then they sort of do the uh, the deal, uh, uh, the, two, the babyface thing where they raise each other's hands after the match, and those guys have crossed pads in Texas before. Grapple users on Moff Murdoch, 2.3. Grapple users on Stark Storm, 2.32. Aaron Stevens, Scott Steiner. I hated this. It was my oh, least favorite thing show. I'm so tired of Aaron Stevens. Um, I went a star and a half. Stevens was the only champion to retain on the night, by the way, uh, which is the right move if you're not bringing Steiner back. But uh, did you hate this as much as I did? Uh, I yeah, no- I thought it was pretty crap. Yeah, it was It was just like – it's a, it, the thing with Stevens, it's like a one-note joke that just goes on way, way, way oh, too long. It's always too long. Why was this so I long? I don't know. I, the whole time I'm thinking – I remember on the flagship when I said, well, I should keep this nice and tight because it's Scott Steiner. He can't do too much. And I was like – and you were like, no, Rich, they're not. It's going to go way too long. And like six minutes into this thing, I'm like, my God, it's still fucking going on. God damn it. It just ends. Yeah. And yeah, it was such a shit finish too. Just garbage. And, and the Scott Steiner thing too that like – you know, it's fun because he cuts fun promos but he's pretty toast i i would i'd probably not bring him back if i were a nwa so grapple users 1.48 and we had <laughs> oh, that's bad it's bad that's what i went on it so uh nick aldis ended up defending the title against flip gordon after cutting a tremendous promo uh he would agree to a title shot if marty Skrull would agree to nick aldis calling all the shots uh moving forward in terms of uh when they wrestle each other and uh, I don't know if you saw Power this week, but it was maybe their best episode yet. I've heard, yeah, I have it. I have not watched it yet. I was actually going to watch it before we recorded here, but I'm going to probably watch it now after we. Record. I wish we had more time, but the sit down between Aldis and uh, and Skrull was just a cr- incredible television. And uh, he's going to defend the title against Skrull at the Crockett Cup. And uh, uh, Skrull wins; he wins the title. If Skrull loses, he refunds everybody's ticket. Which, yeah. Now you know you're going to see a title change, but it's the title change everybody wants. So again, sometimes 
doing the, the, the obvious result is the right result, you know? And if you don't get what you want, you get your money back. Exactly. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great, yeah, I love it. It's a classic old school angle and I like it. Yeah. It and lets you know that you're going to one way or another, you're going to get a good result no matter what happens. So, Hey, yeah. but you got to watch power this week. It was awesome. Including that sit down. Uh, but Nick Aldis defeats Flip Gordon. I thought Flip looked really good here and, you know, being too fast and quick for all this and hitting those cutters from every angle. And then all this beats him with like, the, I guess the wrestle, we want to call it the WrestleMania 10 finish, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. Where he sits straight down yeah, on him. Oh, yeah, no, you can call it that for sure. Or like Okada defeating uh, Omega in Fall 2 or Okada beating Jericho, similar to that. Um, I went three and three quarters. Grapple users went 3.42. What do you think of all this Flip Gordon quickly? Yeah, yeah so I really liked it. I, 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 uh, maybe not as much as you, but I went to, I went three and, uh, three and a quarter uh, for that as well. And it's another one that, like, yeah, it wasn't like a match that I would definitely go back and watch you know, re- some other time this year. But I, I thought it was pretty good and pretty entertaining. So, yeah, I liked it. And then the main event was the TV tournament final, Ricky Starks versus Trevor Murdoch. Uh, they worked an old school classic match where Murdoch dominated the brunt of it. Starks had to come from behind. Little touch at the end that I loved is Starks hit the spear on Murdoch, okay, based on, uh, you know, callbacks from Murdoch's previous matches in the night uh, going after those ribs. And then he hit his finish, uh, which, uh, what do you want to call his finish? I don't know what he calls it. Um, uh, the, the stroke or uh, uh, angel wings, whatever you want to call that uh, finish that he does. He calls it the Buster Keaton. That's, That's right, the Buster. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But uh, before, but he hit that. Uh, uh, he hit that uh, spear first to go after uh, uh, the ribs there. So they did some callbacks to what you saw earlier in the night. And Ricky Starks, uh, absolutely the right call, is your world television champion. And I love the way he reacted to the win. You know, I, when people win a title, I pay attention to that stuff. You know, he looked like there was an adrenaline dump after the three count, and he had this look on his face like, I did it, and he looked proud to, to having won the title. And that's how you put a championship over, the way you react when you win the championship, too. So uh, I thought it was a good little match. I went three stars flat. Grapple users went 3.12. What did you think of the tournament final? Yeah, I really liked it. It was one of those ones that I had trouble kind of star rating as well. Uh, for whatever reason, these TV title ones, I just didn't. But, yeah, I thought the right result. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I, I also – you know, there wasn't anything from the match itself that I really, like – I'm going to remember all that much, but I will remember that one, two, three hitting and Starks just being coming like, Oh, kind of overwhelmed with emotion and, and overwhelmed yes. with adrenaline or whatnot. Like you said, and it's cool. Like make that title matter. And that, in that one moment, it made it matter. And he, you know, got in the ring and everybody was cheering or whatnot. And, and it was the clear crowd favorite, the clear direction to go. And I'm so glad that, that he got that title. And, and, and yeah, he's the guy that they've created, they created a star in season one and, and they're continuing to create a star in season two. And that's, that's awesome to see. So. Yeah, some of the booking in the NWA is a little spotty. Some of the guys go from babyface to heel with no explanation and things like that. Eli Drake, James Storm, to some extent. I guess he's been a face the whole time. But it's hard to tell sometimes. Ken Anderson seems to flip-flop. But one thing that they've done well is this slow build of Ricky Starks from Episode 1, Season 1, to winning this title here. And uh, a relative unknown, you know, especially compared to the rest of the roster. And they've gotten him over with that Atlanta crowd. And, uh, and he wins the TV title tournament, and uh, he had a successful defense against Sicky Dice on episode one of season three, and they cut a couple of good promos on each other on that episode. You really need to watch. It, it was one of the better Power episodes. Yeah, I don't I'm, think I'm Power – You could skip a Power here and there, 
but uh, that's one I think you should watch. So I wish we had more time to talk NWA, but there's one more topic. I think there's one more topic. Yeah, we're gonna right? we're gonna shelf the New Japan previews. I mean, whatever. There's, we talk about New Japan all the time, so that's fine. Yeah, because we really want to get to this Melbourne uh, uh, City Wrestling Vendetta show, which I watched this week. I watched the whole show. How much of it did you watch? I've seen the whole matches. show. I've seen I've seen everything now. Oh, you've seen the whole show? Yep, saw everything. Awesome. When, when Scorpio, okay. Scorpio did our review for VoiceWrestling.com and called it one of the best Australian wrestling shows he's ever seen. And I was right. like, okay, that piqued my interest. Then you caught wind of it, and you started talking about it as being one of the best shows you've ever seen. I was like, all right, got to watch this whole damn thing. And I did, and it was. It was fucking great. This was legitimately a great show. There were seven matches on this show. I went notebook on five of them. I mean, because then I started getting wrapped up in the show. Like, Okay, so everyone's going to be talking about Willow Spray, Dowie James. And it was great. There's no doubt about it that it was great. And it wasn't just the Willow Spray show. Dowie James held up his end of the bargain with that dumb smirk on his face. He's an excellent heel. You want to see him get his ass kicked. He was very sleazy when it was called for. Osprey had him up for the Stormbreaker, and he got tangled up with the ref. And they didn't do like a tra- – I, I, gro- I groaned because I was like, oh, they're going to do a ref bump. But they didn't. It was just a he got tangled up with the ref and it just saved his ass. Right. And the ref moment. got up like pretty quickly after too and just kind of shrugged himself off. Like he wasn't down for nine minutes, you know what I mean? Like No, it was just oh, this fucker got saved by a fluke because he got tied up with the ref and the stormbreaker. But um, you know, it was a great match. Ospreay ended up winning in the end, and he worked it with that injured heel, which he kind of worked into the story of the match. He kept pounding on his heel and grabbing at his heel. Um, but just a great match. Typical Willow Spray. He doesn't slow down. I went four and three quarters on this fucker, and I can easily see it being in play when a Raider match at high, of course, for my match of the year at the end of the year in terms of my top ten. I mean, I thought it was that great, you know. And and uh, you know, I've heard talk that it's the one of the greatest matches ever to take place on the island of Australia. Um, and and you know, I was skeptical of Scorpio Corpse review that it was the best show in Australia's history, but it may have been. This show was so good. And it wasn't just that main event. What were your thoughts on the main event quickly? Yeah, I, I love the main event. And I think what I, what I really liked about it is, you know, for people that, that hate Will Ospreay or think he sucks or whatever, I mean, this guy, they think he's a one-trick pony and does, you know, watch this, match Because this is like, he's not doing any, he's doing some of the flying, obviously. But yeah, because of the heel and because that was the story of the match, he was very grounded. And he was a little bit more yes. of like kind of an in-ring guy and a little bit more of, of, of kind of a, just a straight wrestler. I mean, he did not do... The, the typical Will Ospreay stuff, you know, the entire match or whatever. So I like that part about it. And like you said, Dowie James, I think I was really into that character. And, and for people that don't know the story, basically the story was is Dowie James is kind of annoyed that Will Ospreay cut that promo all those years ago. And we talked about it on the show as well, where he, he said, yeah. oh, I'm going to come with Australia and I'm going to save Australian wrestling and we're going to grow Australian wrestling together. And Dowie James is like, fuck you, dude. I've been here. I've been growing yeah. this company. I've been growing wrestling in this country. Like, where, who the fuck are you? I think you're going to come out here and we don't need you. You know what I mean? Like, you're an unwanted invader. Get out of here. We don't want you and that was a great story to tell because you can believe that there's some real life feelings of that too like hey dude like no hold on like don't just sh- you know show up in our, our our you know our region and say that you're gonna save us like we don't need saving man we're good like we're, we're, we're doing what we're doing so it's a really cool story to tell with that and that's what it was Dowie James is kind of representing that and the fans didn't like that because the fans like Will Ospreay the fans like that he he came in and gave some legitimacy to that that region or whatever so it's a really cool story that played it. and yeah he played it up that way too where he was there defending Australian wrestling but did it in a way that was so dickish that the fans really couldn't get behind him either even though they maybe ultimately might agree with some of the parts of, of, of Dowie James but being a good heel he was unlikable and 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 the crowd booed him as such too so no I thought it was tremendous tremendous pro wrestling yeah and uh, uh what was I gonna say here um 
oh, James, that, with that crazy like uh, tornado DDT off the apron to the floor, I mean that that jumped me off of my couch. And uh, James is a guy who 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 should be getting uh, bookings outside of Australia. I think he's very good. Um, but but Will Ospreay, yeah, I mean it's just the guy is just every that the, when that theme song hits, dun, 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 when Elevated comes on, that's like. The universal sign of you're about to see a great fucking yeah, match. Yeah, strap I mean, in. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> he just, he just he, the guy's fucking money, and it's every time. And you know, I'm tired of saying like you just said. Oh, if you don't think, look, if you're not on board now, you're never going to be on board, and you're dragging your heels. And right. I don't. He's great. And you might okay? want to mute us. You might want to mute us for the next week because our match of the year is rolling out. And uh, if you're a uh, Will Osprey is actually bad guy, you you're probably going to want to log off for a week or so. So and also just get with the fucking program. <laughs> and get with the fucking break. program. Yeah. Okay, give me a fucking break. So the opener I thought was almost as good. Adam Brooks. No, I thought it was exactly as good. I went four and a half yeah, with that I, one too. <laughs> Adam Brooks. This match he defends against Slex and Slex. This is it for him. He cuts the promo. He says he's going ROH afterwards. So Brooks wins. Brooks is the heel here. And Brooks, look, I get it. He flopped a few times in the United States. But if you don't think this guy is good, you're wrong. I'm telling you flat out you're wrong. Watch this match. He just has – maybe it's a confidence thing, but he's just like a different wrestler in Australia. And it came through here, and Slex is awesome. He is so ready for Ring of Honor. He is so ready for the spotlight. He has improved so much since that Okada match. He is like – he's like the total package now. He understands his character. He works with confidence. Brooks was great here. I went four and a half on this. I mean, the work here was just so crisp and so awesome. And Adam Brooks is just so good with his mannerisms. The Australian scene has just improved so much since I started following it like three or four years ago. And I have watched all of these guys improve in front of my eyes, you know, and it's from guys like Will Ospreay going down there. And it's from these guys working against each other and getting booked in PWG and getting booked in other places. And holy shit, was this a great world title match. You know, and then with Slex saying goodbye in the aftermath. So you liked it just as much as I did. Yeah, fucking tremendous, tremendous match. And I, I saw Brooks at AEW once, and it was like an incredible. I forgot the match. They put it up for free, and it, it, it's up there somewhere. Uh, so for pe- I always kind of point at people because people are like, ah, I don't know, I'm not buying into Brooks. I don't think he's good in America. I always point to that match because I'm like, well, he that week, <laughs> that night, or whatever, he was great. But I do, I did see. It. I saw some of the PWG stuff, and it didn't quite land. Whatever, man, it's gonna land at some point. I'm exactly like you. If, if you're sleeping great. on this guy, if you're counting him out, you're gonna be so wrong in a few years or a year time or whatever because he is fucking tremendous. And he was so good in this match. Slex was good, but Adam Brooks is on another level in this match. He was tremendous. Oh my god, he's so good. I mean, this was those two matches were world class stuff. Yeah. They were world-class stuff. You could have put those two matches on Wrestle Kingdom. They'd fit right in. That's how good those two matches were. Um, you know, just to give you a comparison point. The last one, I don't think we're going to get to it all. This Danny Psycho versus Royce Chambers match. Let me tell you something. I never saw either one of these guys in my life. Okay? I watched this match, and all I could think is, Royce Chambers is going to be the biggest thing in wrestling in 18 months. He's going to be the hottest name in wrestling. He's going to work everywhere. And everybody listening to this is going to know his name. You don't know his name now. He's one of these guys where you can't even click him on, on cage match. That's going to change in 18 months. This Royce Chambers is so fucking good. And he's not just one of these standard issue flippy do guys that weigh 180 pounds and they do some flips, but everyone else can do this. No, this guy is like a hybrid between Willow Spray and Buddy Murphy. He's got a great look. His shit is crisp. His shit, he, he's, he's a relatively young wrestler, but he comes off like his shit. He looks, he wrestles like a veteran. I'm not saying he's a finished product, but this guy blew me away. 
to the point I'm DMing promoters saying you got to go watch <laughs> this guy. Right, Rich? I mean, he is so good. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching and that I never heard of this guy. Royce Chambers. You don't remember the name or don't, but you're going to get left behind. Oh, my God. I want to see this guy in Best of the Super Juniors this year because I think he can hang. I want to see this guy all over the world. And whether it's this year or next year, it's going to happen. This guy is way too good. This is not, like I said, this is not a standard issue flippy-doo guy from your local indie show who, okay, maybe he's got some potential. This guy can be a huge star. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a promoter, you better book this guy because as soon as he wrestles Will Ospreay, it's over. Because Will Ospreay gets everybody over. And they become, you know, get to him before Will wrestles him. Better yet, bring him to WrestleMania weekend and get him in the ring with Will Ospreay. It'll be the match of the weekend. I guarantee it. Rich, I have one dream match in the world right now, and it's Will Ospreay versus Royce yeah, Chambers. The way you were talking this weekend, I'm thinking you're going and booking a show that weekend. If no one's going to book it, I think you're going to like, fuck it. <laughs> Brittany, give me $10,000. We're running a fucking show. Now, Rich, people think I'm probably crazy. What did you think of Royce Chambers? No, he was, he was jump. I have never seen him either. He was jump off the page good. He was... Awesome. This I, is a real prospect. Yeah, I mean absolutely. a real yeah. fucking prospect. You this can guy tell is, that there needs to be like a little bit of stuff, like get a little bit of better haircut, get a little bit better gear. But like, yeah, no, like the in between the rings, I mean, the, the way he conducted himself, the way he sold, I thought he sold like great in this match too. I think that's, you know, and I want to give a little credit to Danny Psycho too. I've never seen Danny Psycho before, but I thought, I, I was like, man, that guy's fucking that great guy too. Rules. I want to book that guy. You know what Danny Psycho reminded me of? He's like if Carl Fredericks had the gimmick of Reno scum. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I thought I thought Carl Fredericks the entire time. Maybe it's because the tattoos. They have like the exact same tattoos, they and they kind of look similar, similar too. Yeah. Build. They work the same way, but he has like a punk gimmick. Yeah. Right. But so he has a good look and a good gimmick, and that guy rules. I, I'm telling I'm you, that I, guy too. I, I just want to say, I would book these two guys WrestleMania weekend, and I would tell them go have the same match you had in Australia. Yeah. And it would be the match of the weekend, and both of these guys would be worldwide stars. Because you're right, Psycho was right there. Like Psycho looks. Good. I don't know who this guy is. Maybe this was the match of his life, but that guy fucking rules too. And he's a heavyweight. Oh, man, this Royce Chambers though, Rich, I, I, I'm telling you, people, people are going to think we're overselling it. But this guy, you know, it's similar to the first time I saw Vikingo, where you see Vikingo and it's like this guy's different. Yeah. Oh, you know, what, what I likened it to is the first time I saw Ricochet. Uh, I yes. saw Ricochet, I think a DGUSA show or something was probably the first time I ever saw him. And you it was that same thing where you're like, oh. You, you never saw Scrubby Ricochet. So you. Exactly. I didn't see Chikara, like 110 pound Ricochet. Yeah, I never saw that. So. Right. So you're talking. Yeah, that's I a good one. Mohawk, you know, a little bit of, little bit of muscle on him. Like, you can tell. Not ref- and this is the same way I say about Royce Chambers. Not 100% there, but you can tell that the, all the makings are there. It needs a little bit of a touch up, a little bit of a cleanup, and a little bit more work. And you have a fucking superstar on your hands. And that's uh, listen, what I felt with Royce Chambers for sure. Absolutely. I'm not going to name names, but he is so far ahead of some of these other indie guys that people talk about. And and because I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on those guys. But it's like, my God, you watch this guy, and I'm just standing up in my living room going, "This guy is is fucking money on my screen. This guy is a money drawing star." If he is handled the right way and ends up in the right places. And there's whispers that there's Japanese promotions that are already hip to him. So if you want to get your claws into this guy, you better hurry up. All right, do it now. Okay. It's, it's, it, oh my God. I, have, I haven't been this impressed by a wrestler the first time I've seen them in so long. And, and a lot of credit to Danny Cycle, too. This Danny Cycle guy, he could step right in to any promotion in the US right now, you know, uh, indie or MLW level or ROH or something. And 
from what I saw in this match, he would he he would stand out as well. So, he's been wrestling for years, apparently, and it's like, man, I, I can't believe I, I I don't know. Like again, I don't know if he's he's you know he stepped away for a little bit or he came back. Or I don't know what the the situation was with him. I thought they mentioned something like that in the commentary, but I forget. But uh, no, he was tremendous, man. I, I loved it. You know, I, like again, I I also thought Roy Shamers, but when it was done, I was like. You know, Rush Hammer's great, but let's, call, let's talk about this Danny Psycho guy a little bit too, man. Like he was, yeah, I was, I was super, super impressed, super impressed by him. And 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 ultimately, I, w- I want to say this real quick too, is is we're kind of a little bit low on time. We have a few. Let's more. go we a couple go. minutes over. We'll go yeah, a couple minutes. Yeah, we'll go a couple minutes over. It's fine. But uh, I was also really impressed by the MCW production in, in in general. I mean, the the streaming service was nice and easy to use. The arena looked great. The sound looked great. The announcers were good. And it's like I was watching that going. You know what I'm going to do in 2020? I'm going to watch a lot more Australian wrestling. MCW is on hey, my radar. Man. We got him so. on board, guys. We got Krejci on board. Let me tell you, you watch this show, and should I go down this road? Ah, fuck it. Go ahead. We're pa- we I just passed to- the three-hour mark. Shoot. Go ahead. This was the best indie show I've seen since 2016 Peak Evolve. I watched these American indie shows, the hyped ones even, and my God, did this blow it away in every way. Not just the great matches, the production the commentary that wasn't overbearing, uh, just the whole vibe, very low on the silliness, you know, very low on the tongue in cheek. We all know this is a work bullshit. Very low on the uh, just, just you know, the, the the feel of U.S. indie wrestling right now, which I'm not a fan of. This is just wrestling. Yeah. This feels like the way indie wrestling was eight years ago. Right, and and, and taking pride in the way your company looks and the way your wrestling matches look and the way they sound. Is super important too, and and wrestlers look. Yeah, I can rant about it all the time, but yeah, a bunch of guys going out there looking like fucking stars, looking like a million bucks. None of these shindy looking guys wrestling in t-shirts with the sleeves ripped off. Uh, you know, it's like it, they're putting people on their shows that look professional, wrestle professional, wrestle well. I mean, so I could totally see where, as you, a guy coming in to watch this show, haven't you know, you've had one eye on the scene, but you haven't really. I've been watching a little more than you have. And you going, holy shit, this is the indie wrestling I remember. Right, this is what I've been wanting for so long. And it's like, all right, I can just officially <laughs> rest in peace, American Indies, for me, at least. You know, if you like it, that's cool, enjoy. But yeah, I think I'm, uh, I'm going to watch a lot more Australian stuff in 2020, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this Psycho Chambers match. Rich, am I nuts? I went four and a half on that fucking No, thing. no, dude. I was right there with you. Yeah, right exactly <laughs> with you. <laughs> this was like a high-level best of the super juniors match but not quite the best match of the tournament. Do, do you know what i'm saying like yeah absolutely it wasn't willow spray shingo it was like it some was, show versus whoever you know show versus uh versus Dragon Lee and it, yeah and it right we're like yeah that was a damn good match like you know, where, yeah. the main event and it tears the house down and everyone's talking about it for two days but it's not the match that's going to win match of the year right that's kind of like the best comparison it was so good the execution too it's like Oh man, I don't know. I just this is just this show was just so much better than than everything going on in the United States. And I'm I, I, I look, I, it's probably going to annoy people. I, t- I call it like it is, Rich. I wasn't expecting. Well, we can this like show what we're gonna. We can great. like what we're gonna like. Fuck them if they don't if they can't handle it. We like what we like. You know, whatever. I wasn't expecting this. No, you know, but it's like uh, Avery versus Kellyanne. Can I do a minute on this? Sure, go ahead. 
Rich, I went four stars on this. Am I nuts? Okay, that's a little nuts. <laughs> I, I liked it, but I went not four stars. That, okay, you, you were just you were on a high. I don't know what you were doing. You yeah, Foster's like, next to you or something. Was I, was I wrapped up in the show? Too I think much? you were. It was good. It was really, really good. It wasn't four stars good, but that's fine. I mean, jeez. You like what you like, Joe. Just what I said. You like if you liked it four stars, then go ahead. Knock yourself out. Rich is Avery. She was good. She was really good. Oh my god. How is she not everywhere? Now I think I think she may have been actually that that might be she may have worked some places. Hold on, let me. No, check she's this. worked. She worked like Shimmer uh, last year. I know for yeah. a fact she worked Shimmer last year. I think she was in Stardom a lot of last year as well. So she's starting okay, to she's starting sense. to make she's starting to get a little uh, you know a, a little bit of buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a Stardom wrestler. Okay, that makes sense because she's a finished product. Yeah, she's so good. I never heard of her, but I see. Yeah, she's done Stardom. Yeah, she's been around. I don't so know if people, she's. I, I don't remember if she did Shimmer. I thought she did, but yeah, she did Stardom for sure. Uh, so people know who she is. She they, she's not like like this Danny Psycho and this this Royce Chambers. No one knows these people. Like these are like these are you know deep in the fucking weeds kind of people. She's not okay. So she's been out there. So no point um, going off on that. But I thought that was a great match. It, it had great psychology. Some of the spots were outstanding. Uh, even the finish, which played into a spot from earlier in the match where she missed the cannonball, and then Avery hit her finish. I'm like, holy shit, this show rules. And then the no DQ match with Caveman, Ugg, and Hartley I thought Jack. You were gonna, I, th- this is the reason I brought the cattle mutilation up, is Avery puts the cattle mutilation on uh, does, uh, Kellyanne, right. and Kellyanne like, fucking powers through it. I was like, fuck yeah. And then just lands around, just like fucking uh, catapults around to her face. It was like awesome. Yeah, bending her in half. I mean, this yeah. was a really good match. I mean, uh, you might not think it was notebook material, but what would you do? Like three and a half? Three yeah, and I'm a like quarter? three and a half. I'm just saying you're a little. I, I just I like joking around with you. I mean, yeah, it was like a, three and a half. It was really good. Yeah. And at this point in the show, I'm like, nothing on this show has been bad, and the next match is the fucking main event. Like this whole show's good. Yeah, yeah. Even the even um, the Jet Ruka Leo Pratt was like eight minutes, and I was like, yeah, that, that Jet Ruka's got some nice talents. And I was like, you know, I, like I I didn't waste my eight minutes. It's like, oh man, how refreshing. Yeah, couple prelim guys, nice little three star match. We're not going to sit here and rave about it, but nothing on this show was bad. And then the Phillip brothers, who are a known commodity, you know, somewhat, and they took on two guys I'm not familiar with, Burr and Taylor. That was fine. That's another little two and three quarter, three star match. And then the Caveman Ugg, Hartley Jackson, no DQ match, where they didn't overdo the stip. They mostly kept it in the ring. Hartley Jackson is a seasoned pro. We all know that. Caveman Ugg. Uh, you know, is is a guy who has come on over the last year and a half or so in Australia and always puts in a good performance. And they were using the lighting rig as sort of the weapon in this yeah. one and doing power. And I went notebook on that too. Okay, I was feeling it on this show. <laughs> Man. I went notebook on this. That was really good. It was really good too. No, everything was good. Everything was good in this match. So Yeah, I mean this show fucking ruled. I re- legitimate. I haven't seen an indie show this good probably since the heyday of of, of Grapple Fuck Evolve twenty sixteen era. And if and maybe before that, since maybe either a really hot Dragon Gate USA show or maybe even an ROH show, that's how good this was to me. And 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 I, I, you know, I, I highly recommend if you've got the eight bucks, it's worth it. Believe me, you're not going to think you wasted your money or whatever it costs. I don't even know what it cost. I think you could just rent the show outright for like four bucks or something. I think so, I, yeah, I think you, I, I think monthly it's, it's somewhere around eight or nine or yeah, I think you can get the show for for five ninety nine. Yeah, listen, I we got hookups. So. You know, we're important people. But if you need, if you want to watch this, you you know, it's it's not expensive. Okay, so you know, and it's well worth it. Oh man, I I just I was standing up talking about this show. You know, I drew a nice crowd too, seven hundred fans for this. Yeah, you were you were a tweeting monster. You were trying to get these. I couldn't believe I was seeing Rich. I was expecting a good little show. 
with a great main event. And I thought, okay, Brooks and Slex, that'll probably be a good little match too. And then I watched the show, and one match after another was fucking blowing me yeah. away. And I'm like, this is all I want out of indie wrestling. This is what I want. What's the okay? best is when you, when you stumble upon something that's great? When, when, when you don't expect it and you just kind of watch, keep it on in the background, and, and it hooks you from there. That's, that's the best. Because if, if everybody said, hey, Joe, this is one of the best indie shows you've ever seen, and you watch it, and, and like, then you have those expectations the entire time. But when you hear and, and like I still had those expectations. I still thought it was. But, yeah, when, when you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, go check out this match. And you kind of discover other things. It's nice to kind of discover sometimes where you're looking and you're like, what the hell? Okay, what is this? Like, what do we, what do we got here? Like, yeah, it, it is, it's a refreshing feeling that we haven't had in, in quite a while. So I liked it better than Scorpio Corp did. I, you know, I went higher on j- just about every match than he did. I mean, you know, so I was way into it. But um, look, nobody got thrown through a door. There was no doors getting pulled out from under the ring. There was no intergender. There was no fucking bad comedy. Yeah, nobody's grabbing each other's nuts. Yeah, no one's grabbing each other's dicks. There's no ring announcer putting himself over. You know, there's, there, there wasn't a ring announcer and a wrestling is for everyone T-shirt screaming and cursing and putting himself over. There was no, uh, you know, fucking commentators, um, you know, uh, letting everybody know how smart they are with insider comments and, and fucking and screaming at the wrong times and just being silly while they're drinking their white claws. There was none of that. OK, it was just a really awesome fucking wrestling show. That's all I ask. That's all I want. And they delivered. And they deserve the praise they're getting from us. And if they make a little money off it and people buy the show or it gets a little attention, good for them. Absolutely. All right. That is it for us here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. As we mentioned, review of that uh, show that we just talked about is up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Also, reviews of every show that we talked about, NWA Hard Times, Worlds Collide, Royal Rumble. We'll also have a, uh, a new beginning and supporter preview that you can read uh, since we didn't get to it on this show here. Uh, it's also at VoicesOfWrestling.com as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, of course. And uh, stay tuned next week for a lot of Match of the Year content. We're currently tabulating all the results just about done. Uh, and we'll have some, some good stuff out throughout the week. We'll do the rollouts. We'll do the top 10 rollout. Uh, we've been doing that lately on Patreon, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you are going to get the top 10 before everybody else does as well, so I, I assume we're going to do that this year uh, as well. We're kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do for the next week uh, as we're kind of getting through all the results here, but yeah, we'll have a better idea and a better plan, uh, and we'll let you know at Voices Wrestling on Twitter as well and let you know what to expect and when stuff's going to drop once we're, we're kind of done tabulating everything, but uh, that's it. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Critch. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>